where I'm like, I don't know that I'll ever necessarily go back to the theater. Well, right well, info. I have to say though, you should have went to the theater and seen um, Ridley Scott's newest movie because it would have been the most empty place. Come on, dude. This is some salt in the wound, man. <laughs> Yo, theater. Just we could go right in the middle, whole space. Look, baby, look what I did for you. I rented the whole theater out for us. Aren't I a romantic guy? Welcome to the party. We are looking for more your podcast for all things gaming with a focus on MMOs, RPGs, game development, and gaming culture. I'm your host, Phoenix, also known as Samorg, and I'm joined today by our returning party members. Welcome back, Renfell. Hey, everybody. Also, welcome back, V, Nathan. Napalm. Napalm. What's up? Glad to be here. A little different. The Napalm. The Napalm. The Napalm. All right, everybody, like as usual, I know it's been a couple weeks, but I got this as usual. If you'd like to leave us a uh, message to play here on the show, you can call us at one five three nine six six four six eight zero one. You can go over to the pin post on top of our Twitter where all of the links to the podcast places are at. You can go up there, go to the iTunes one, give us a five star review, leave us a comment. We'll read that here on the show. You can also send a mail to our grunt over at thelfmshow at gmail.com. And if uh, the grunt gets it to us sometime in the near future, we'll read through it here on the show as well. Also, a big shout out to all of the supporters here on Twitch, YouTube, and Patreon. I really appreciate all of the Imperial Flames who are supporting this podcast and really appreciate you keeping this party's bags packed, provision stocked for all of our adventures on the show. Gentlemen, friends in the chat, I see you all. Great to have you here. It's been two weeks-ish. Three weeks, actually. Damn. Skipped two weeks. You skipped two, weeks. you're right. It has been three. So, Dang. apologies. We had a handful of us, like, I know myself and Nathan, like, we were sick, like, for the one, the week before last, and then that last week, I unfortunately was just tapped out, and I couldn't do it. I'm not going to talk about why it was sad as hell, but Sim was not in the spirits to be here, but we're good now, my friends. I'm back on track. We're back on track, just in time for the end of the year. Really stoked. If- if we didn't play D and D together, I don't know if I'd recognize you guys. If it's been that long, <laughs> yo, talking about D and D, we've uh, it's coming together on Sundays, right over on the Weave in the Void yeah. channel. It's coming it's together. This last episode, this 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 yeah. third this third episode was really tight. I think I think we finally have kind of like we've ironed out all the kinks. Mm-hmm. I think we're we're starting to to work well together the the group is coming together a little bit better now i think what will happen here if i if if past adventures have been any <sighs> indication i think from here what will ha- start to happen is people will start to become a little more comfortable in the characters they're playing and we'll start to see a little more role play in in between the group members as we go along yes um because we've kind of gotten mm-hmm. the rules and platform stuff out of the way for the most part um yeah. And I absolutely am loving, by the way. I know in the game setting we act like, mm-hmm. oh my god, I can't believe that that you did that. But out of character, I love Idrildor's character and the antics he gets us into. It is so I just look forward Yo. to it. Like, please let him do something crazy again this week. Like uh <laughs> how about the DM though? 
freaking <laughs> trying to gun down the paladin all the time dude i've been looking at the last week's nice I'm, yeah i'm preparing nice hey man nice every 90 percent of the time so far that you're like let's see if we can get this pally smacked down i get just those are when my roles are actually the roles actually pan out for me the rest of the time i gotta say though I, I gotta say sam that I, it seems like actually the dice is really that d20 is out to get you man because he'll <laughs> he'll he'll roll for who it's gonna be and it's either you or sparrow like every time i know you or sparrow almost every time yeah. like, what the hell is going on here Shooting. i told you there's like an inherent thing for me like with paladins it's like dude <laughs> i picked a hey, we picked up some spells we hit level two though last time so yeah things yeah. are changing i as scrubbish might divine oh, spite is pretty cool i can't oh, wait yeah. to dude my that's where the are the role plays that come out because we're like lights justice reigns and they're gonna be like the dude you're peeking on the mic so i'm like i'm sorry i'll sit back and be further away <laughs> i am um, when i played through um i'm a blank on that celasta uh crown of the magister which came out you know six months ago or so mm. ago i usually play with a straight up warrior as my tank and this time around i went through with a paladin as my main tank because I had heard about Divine Smite and how powerful it was, and I, I was not disappointed. I had a, a shield and sword and board paladin up front. That Divine Smite got me through so many fights because he's just up in the front. And by the time you get up to like seventh level or so, you've got like four or five Divine Smites. Plus, you can do you can choose to do like Divine Smite level one, Divine Smite level two, Divine Smite level three. It's like you're going up against big big baddie. Hit him with Divine Smite three, and it's like dude. 15 points of damage with your sword and then call down this bolt of fiery holy lightning and do another 30 points of damage. <laughs> yeah. Pretty freaking badass. Oh, man. So all I have to say about these shenanigans for everybody is just, I want y'all to be aware there are shorts coming that provide the short form evidence of what the DM is up to <laughs> and what us homies in the front lines have to deal with. <laughs> but I, I do have to say, you're talking about everybody getting into their role. Your brother's uh, very comfortable in his role as a rogue from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about his... He was like, we, we literally take care of uh, a um, endeavor in front of us, whatever. Not an endeavor, an obstacle that was before us. We, we, we get through it. We're traveling down. And then all I have to say is things happened. You know what things happened? I Your brother decided to backflip down like he's all a freaking ninja. I'm like, these are the types of things he does. He tries to pick pockets. When things are going good, he stirs it up. Is that planned or is that just your brother? I got it. That's just my brother. Yeah, um, dude. And it's funny because I have played with him. I have DM'd him twice before. Mm -hmm. um, and he, he didn't play a rogue either time. Um, last time he, during the play testing of the mm -hmm. Weave in the Void last this past fall he played a warrior and then previously he had played a ranger when we did a saga leucemia campaign so this is the first time he's played a rogue and oh yeah he's a, he's fortunately or unfortunately really <laughs> enjoying it. you know i was watching back the playthrough uh because nathan did the tailspire episode for episode two the other day and was watching it with chris and i had forgotten about the point where you get the wagon from um Lynn Lynner Lynner, I forget her Lenine. name. Uh, yeah. Lenine. And he's like, hey, you know, just so you know, I know a guy in Neverwinter who would buy these oxen for a fair price. And I'm just like, what? And he literally bounty bounty code is like, hey, you know, I don't know about that. And he's like, hey, I just we're just, you know, it's good to have options, you know? Yeah, I like how he was like, Yeah, we all it's good to have some options. And Bounty Code said, 
Noted. I've got to tell the story. So Thank first you. of all, we're we're trying to get some grub and a place to stay, and mm-hmm. uh, he decides for the little what was it like fifty copper it was going to cost for the food and drink. He decides to try to do a little sleight of hand and, and pretend like he gives the money, and take it back. He fails his role miserably. Uh, barmaid catches us. She's pissed. We managed to not get her to call the guards, but she spits and takes a dump in her food. Whatever she does in the back Whoa, room, dude. We're sick. Me and Sam are dying. Nathan you know, more uh, than me though, to be fair. <laughs> He ate more than we dad role, cheese. I we role played it because I was actually sick in real life and I'd <laughs> lost my voice. So we just role played that I was super sick. But, you know, we meet a, a dwarf who takes us to another place where he's like, hey, I'll room you up. Um, mm-hmm. We get there. They're super nice. They find us a little back room to let us sleep. And what's the first thing he says when, when once she leaves? Uh, he wants to search around and look for if he can steal something. It's like, come on, dude. We, like out of the kindness of their hearts, we have meeting. somewhere to stay. I know. <laughs> like that's like a that's like a totally. I wouldn't call it chaotic evil, but I mean, it's definitely an, a, a chaotic character, like chaotic neutral, perhaps. Right. Yeah, yeah. Just doesn't give a shit about oh. really anything other than just hey, there's Chinese. Yeah. Right. He, I see some. Uh, I see some stuff back here. Let me see what we got. It's so good. It's so good, dude. It, it's like it's every time that things are going really good for us is when he's like, "What can I do wrong right now?" <laughs> it's just every time, man. But you know, I love it. I geez, love it. dude. So let's catch up a little bit in our in our week in typical format. I know it's been several weeks for us and everything. Um, we we talked a little bit about the D and D that we're doing on Sundays over on the Weave in the Void. We've been talking about, um, you know, the shenanigans that sort of take place in there and everything. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna hit on a few of mine real quick. I, I did a, a stream yesterday, a sponsored stream, right? Which I only do those under certain circumstances. I'm a fan of the indie devs. I've always been a fan of indie devs. And uh, Lance was uh, someone in the community who's been around for a while, and he's been uh, working on a project, and it's like a, it's basically a tabletop game. He's got it like a tabletop simulator, so I'm actually going to do a solid. And if you're watching this podcast on YouTube, um, or you're just listening to it, and you go check it out, even though it was a sponsored stream, right? I, I, I do this sort of stuff when I actually believe in it. It's like a fun time. It's a good time. We actually did it for about an hour, right? Did it did it more than really was planned or anything because it was a fun time, but it's actually a lot of fun. It was a card game and it sort of got this like element of like embers and like there's different elements, schools of magic and the game's called Mage or Mage, right? So it's M-A-J-E. And I'll, I'm actually gonna have a, a play session I'll be putting up on YouTube if you wanna check it out. I'll be posting it uh, the link there. You can literally go check it out, test it for free on the workshop if you have Tabletop Simulator. And uh, yeah, just you can go over there and check it out. So I'm gonna like post the link for that and everything. Um, and I actually did that yesterday, and it was actually it was actually fun. It was actually a lot of fun. It, it felt uh, I was very intrigued. It felt like it was pretty easy to pick up and play. And uh, I said I'd do a shout out for it here because I actually did enjoy myself. And I'm like low key contemplating like doing this as like a community sort of night thing where I get the full amount of people that can play, get around the table. And uh, maybe like you know, maybe pull them in again to do it and kind of like tinker with it and learn it a little bit better because it was pretty fun. So I'll just tell people to check it out um, or whatever. But I saw some stuff uh, related to um, ESO recently, which I thought was interesting that I, I do want to talk about. There's something related to Ashes I want to talk about because I'm like, oh, if you've been watching the Ashes Pathfinders podcast. I've been speculating some stuff and I, I can't confirm for sure, but they're their live stream was this coming Friday tomorrow. 
and they pushed it back a week and they made a special note that it's about something kind of big and i'm going so i it's interesting to see what people are speculating right now they've been kind of quiet they've been working on some foundational things for the game so i'm really curious about that also shout out to twitch because i've been doing like this user research stuff in the background for a while doing like a bunch of surveys had a really cool conversation with them got this email uh the other day and they were like hey we got you some twitch partner swag we want to send to you and i was like what oh like, that's cool man so it is cool yeah i've been getting like it, it's kind of cool like i've had probably the best experience as a twitch user with twitch probably this year not just because of right. hitting partner or because of the research stuff but like also because of like how, how they've been approaching uh managing community things and things like that so shout out to them for trying to make twitch a better place because i really feel like this year specifically i've seen just a lot of gains on their side so i'm just like it's really cool to see this like level of proactivity and really trying to ensure communities are healthy i guess is the best way to to kind of point that out because this year has been there's been like a lot of like hate raids and stuff and i don't know if y'all know this or not but um they added these tags for uh on twitch right that haven't been there, right? So like the ally tag got added, you know, for LGBTQIA plus got added, all that stuff got added. The, the, the veteran and disabled veteran uh, tags have been added. Ally was added, all these other ones have been added, right? So you can sort of tag yourself and people can sort of search you based on, you know, like what kind of like a streamer you are. And I am a disabled army veteran, right? And so I put veteran on there and sometimes I put the disabled vet stuff. Why? Because there are other people that out of all the, tons of people on Twitch. There are people that do identify with these types of like life circumstances. So it's cool that they did that. And actually people don't know this, but in the middle of this podcast, it's never been acknowledged. But since those tags were added, did you know we've had tons of people that have followed this channel that the accounts have since been blocked, deleted, whatever, where it's like veteran suicide 101, veteran should die my my healthy dead veteran like all these random names and stuff so i'll be sitting here streaming no one actually knows what's going on we'll get a follow and it's literally someone with those names because they're basically trying to like hate follow and like impact streamers happens in the ally and lgbtq communities as well that use those tags so you know in in light of those things happening i definitely have noticed twitch taking a more proactive stance and trying to like really do stuff to eliminate that. And I'll come back and on my dashboard, like, you know, a day or two later and I'll see like none of those notifications are there. Cause those accounts were clearly life's justice hammer dropped on them. So I want to give a shout out to them because they've been doing good. And as we're getting to the end of the year, I'm finding more and more that I want to acknowledge the things I'm like really thankful about when it comes to gaming communities, communities as a whole places I, or we all spend our time whether we're talking games, Discord communities, Twitch, YouTube, whatever. Um, also, I I hit partner on my second YouTube channel. Nice. And nice. That, which which channel the the Samorg one now? So the Ashes HQ and Samorg one both are yeah are YouTube Beautiful. partner channels. Beautiful. So yeah, and I've even seen a more proactive stance from a lot of like the YouTube stuff too. I don't know if you get it too, Nathan, but like I'll get I've been getting a lot more like emails and stuff lately from like YouTube, and it seems like even they're like taking a more positive stance on things. Yeah, but I, I do wish uh, one thing I want to say about what YouTube is doing though is I do wish they give me a little bit more control of it because mm. I can tell sometimes because a message will pop as a notification on my phone through yeah. YouTube Studio, right? And I'll read it. 
but then it's gone, right? Because YouTube automatically deleted it. And I'll be like, man, they just deleted that because I'm sure the language is a little harsh, but what the person said was totally okay. Yeah, true. Right? And I can't approve it. YouTube mm. got rid of it, right? right. And that, I, it's happened a lot, and I, I feel I bad too. for people. I've got a community member, um, Aaron, I forget his last name. Um, he has never he has never left a bad comment. Mm-hmm. He's left like two or three positive comments on my videos. And I'll get the notification for him and I'll read them and I'll go to reply to them and they're gone. Yeah. The video it's happening it's, to you too. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't put a link in yeah. there. He didn't say anything negative. Same. Why right. did his comment right. get nuked? Like, it's just like their algorithm is a l- not perfect yet. It's a little overzealous. It's, like, yeah. It's way over. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And that's only, but I mean, I, I think it's good what they're trying to do. It's just like you, I see stuff. I'm like, Oh my gosh, what's gone. I have no control. Cause if he showed up on some kind of list, I could go and approve it. But I guess from YouTube's perspective, to get the algorithm correct, they don't want us to have that ability either because they don't want us to approve a message that mm-hmm. is going to be harmful to somebody else, right? So I get it. It's just a mess right now until uh, they get it all worked out. I do know, and, and this might be random, but when I hit, because I finally hit, it's been a, it's a couple weeks ago now, um, I passed the 500 threshold, 500 followers threshold, like the beginning of like... Mm-hmm. beginning of november something like that but it took them like three weeks to get me access to the community posts once i got access to community posts and that that whatever trigger that set on the youtube side i have started to get like almost i wouldn't say every day but it's like four or five times a week now i'm getting emails from youtube telling me about this and that and the other yes and i never used to get those types of emails and it's kind of like maybe 500 followers was like a threshold where they're like you've, you're serious enough that you've unlocked community posts now we're going to start giving you access to all this stuff i'm very interested to see what happens when i hit the thousand um because i don't think you unlock partner right away right sam you hit a thousand and that's like the trigger point and then it takes them a little um, while to approve your account well it's actually like four different things it's like uh how many i've hit all the four, other ones yeah four thousand viewer hours like uh i think you have to do like a two-factor authentica- uh, authentication or whatever yep think there's like uh um yeah like a thousand subs and there's something i've else hit all the other ones remember. so it's literally just waiting on the thousand subs and, and yeah. Typically, yeah yeah that's what i was about to say usually once you hit a thousand subs you're probably either already hit the other stuff or you're super close usually <laughs> the only the only reason the other things exist is because you got those weird people doing weird stuff like sub for sub and they hit the subscriber really fast like i think two days or something yeah but it means nothing right like they don't actually have viewers so doing it naturally like we all do then um yeah it's uh the other qualifications aren't too too hard to hit right so one thing I, I was also going to like note here was uh, I do want to talk about the YouTube uh, button on the like thing that kind of happened because even though this is a game development, you know, gaming, whatever, like, I don't know if you know this or not, but they actually like you only see likes on YouTube now. I don't yeah. I don't know that I I don't even know if on the dashboard I'm actually take a look. I don't yeah, know if on the dashboard can you we check? can see it. We can, can we? see it, but only in the dashboard area, not actually on the video, right? Because I noticed right. on the video you cannot see dislikes now, and I I don't know, man. Right. Can you go look at your videos see if you see? No, the I'm actual- wrong. They deleted it, it off of the studio. So. It was there a little bit longer for, for like a day. It's gone now. Yeah, it's gone now. Yeah, so we can't even tell so, the dislikes. Well, That's crazy. So I, I need to I, know. Yeah, That's it helps, right? Data for me. Yeah, yeah. It helps helps. Yes. 
I haven't checked that out because I know I like I, I just went to your video on the Tailspire stuff from last night, Nathan, and I can clearly see a dislike button. Is that what you're talking about? Or you're saying? Yeah, that you, you can, can still it? dislike it, but it, only YouTube knows about that. The, so you the, can't even see it as a content. I haven't checked that stuff. Yeah, on my, I can't on see it. Hand. I thought I could on studio because for a little while after they were already not on YouTube or not showing on studio on my phone, I could still see them, which I was like, okay, I guess I can deal with that. At well, least I, I, don't, know. I don't know about that because I've got a video. It's one of my shorts that I did on December 13th, which was three days ago. And it okay. shows me two likes, one dislike. It actually and it shows it shows me sixty six point seven percent likes versus dislike ratio, and it mm. tells me that I've got that I've got. Um, I hover over it; it shows two likes and one dislike. So, and also I've got the other the other one I did on December twelfth has three likes and one dislike. Mm. But those are shorts, not normal videos. But it is showing it for me on the likes versus dislikes. Oh, interesting. Mine just it shows a dislike, but doesn't show me a number. And some of these, trust me. Some of my videos had some dislikes before I remember. Um, I, I always, no matter what I do, will get one or two dislikes, right? Like there's somebody follows me or whatever. I don't know what goes on, but there, right. I always get one or two. So and now it's just all saying blank for me. So maybe it's slowly rolling out to. That might be it because I'm a, I'm a mm. much smaller account than you two guys. Cause like I've only got like, I'm closing in on 700 right now. Or six hundred, maybe I forget. What yeah, because uh, I mean, and, and let me just don't say actually that hurt your videos. They actually right. help from my from everything I understand about the analytics and the research I've done. Though, th like interaction on your video is beneficial to your video in regard to the algorithm. Interaction is interaction. Right. In, yes, in any right. case, this is, and I've always said this for years because um, I got so many sales. From for the Sagalusemia from MMRPG.com and massively because I would go to the trolls mm -hmm. and I would just get right in the thick of it with them and and people would see that and you would get a certain percentage of people who would go, hey, you know, hell yeah, this guy's standing up to the assholes. I want to go check out their product and and get and make a purchase that way. And so I've always found that that the ability to interact with trolls is beneficial. I will also say that I'm 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 torn on the decision by YouTube because I also know because I have suffered it firsthand the downside um even though yes in in the grand scope of things interaction is interaction it all helps the algorithm um I have had people try to downvote troll my videos um when I've pissed sure. off a community when I've pissed off a certain group of the community over at massively or mmrpg.com and the next video I put up, it's like it comes out and within 10 minutes, it's got like 90% downvotes. That's the kind of stuff that that theoretically, if it starts to get that kind of negativity, YouTube supposedly will suppress those types of videos from the algorithm because it's an overwhelmingly negative sure. as opposed to a, oh, you know, 75% positive, 25%. That's kind of like a normal thing. Like... Because the 75% are your fans who are going to watch your videos anyway. And then the other 25% is the people who might just not be your fans or they might be tuning in for the first time. And they're like, I don't care about this guy's video. I don't want to see it again. And they move on with their day. So I was kind of torn when they made that decision to hide the likes because on the one hand, I'm like, yay, I don't have to deal with the, the bitchy trolls from certain places. But on the other hand, the data is useful when it's actual likes versus dislikes yeah it's super useful because like uh for example um honestly 
my my channel would be completely filled with puppet videos. But I know that it, they don't like it, right? Yeah. Like I know that they don't because of the dislikes, right? Because yes. not everybody's going to leave a comment. Right. They just don't like it, and they you're lucky actually if they hit the dislike because usually they'll just close the video, right? Um, so uh, that there's a lot of things I learned uh, through throughout my journey on YouTube because of the dislikes, like where I can kind of gauge things, right? So like. Yeah, I'm still going to troll my people. The puppet video I got one coming soon, actually. But I know I'm trolling my audience, right? Like, so I can I can be part of the joke when I release stuff like that instead of thinking, you know, oh my gosh, they like this. This, you know, this got this many likes. Uh, you know, now it's I'm kind of in the dark on stuff like that. It's super lame as a creator. I want to know. Yeah, see, because I, I I've had some videos like in the past week they've gotten pretty good views and this isn't a you know creators panel sort of thing but I think it's important because in the grand in the grand scheme of things as a developer right when we talk about developers who post videos I mean one example is like Chronicles of Valyria I'm gonna mention this one because they made it to where you couldn't actually respond to the videos like you couldn't comment you can't like you can't any of that stuff right so for a company doing something that transparency, like having those comments, having people in community who are expressing their concern, who like or dislike, I mean, not only is that useful to the developer of a game, it's also important to people interested in a game to see what the community sentiment is around that game, right? To see what those discussions and arguments are. Like it might, yeah, sure, you might get bombed or something, but when you, I go to, you go to a video, if you only see like five likes on my video, and you see like, I don't know, like a thousand views that there probably are a lot of dislikes. Yeah, true. Right. I can know that by looking at a video, right? You can tell what the engagement kind of is like there in terms of like or dislike. But those things I think are important to me. And I think Chronicles of Valyria is a good example of like where not having that stuff there is actually censoring the community. But if a game, if a developer is also developing a game and they can't actually see, like you can't see it. You can't even see the dislikes, right? Yeah, I, listen, I, I'm not being political. I'm not taking a side yeah. here. But what really has forced YouTube's hand on this, right? Once again, I'm not taking a side on either end. I'm just stating the facts. Is that certain media outlets who are very active on YouTube now because cable's kind of mm. not doing so hot. Right. So uh, they're starting to try to have a bigger presence on uh, YouTube. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're getting bombed, okay, um, because people don't like their opinions on certain things, right? So um, YouTube is probably, these are big money makers they see potentially in the future, and they're getting pissed off about it, and they're being made fun of. I mean, people are making entire videos making fun of people that are big media outlets because of their dislike ratio, right? Like I'll use Disney as an example. I don't remember what it was, but Disney did something recently and Mm -hmm. it just got bombed with dislikes (laughs) and, you know, um, uh, you know, Disney's got their hands deep in the pockets, right? So when they start complaining, you got these big major players on your platform. That's what, and I'm not saying it's good. I think they should have just been like, well, Hey, that's the way our platform works, right? Like, that's for you. Take that data and use it so that you, you know, like that, that's how the stance should have been in my opinion. Once again, I don't run a multi-billion dollar freaking social media video website. So, but I do believe that's what happened. I think once the media started getting super involved, mm-hmm. all this dislike drama and suddenly dislikes are gone. It's mm-hmm. also, you know, 
if you look at Instagram as an example, last year they started doing this, and now it's pretty much standard across the board. You can hide likes completely on your posts on Instagram. And the the reasoning behind that, which was given at the time, and, and people can choose to take this however they will. They could choose to believe it or not believe it. I will say that there is some kernel of truth to this because the, my day job We've run. We've done some right. stories with people on suicide and 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 social abuse, basically, and mm-hmm. Instagram being a platform which, at you know, over the years, had been primarily a platform where a lot of young people w- were at before we got into TikTok. Um, there were definitely quite a bit of suicides that happened as a result of of people getting bullied on. You know, mm-hmm. they would post a photo and they've got acne, and and it gets you know whatever happens to it. And then that person, yeah. you know, that kid ends up going off and, and doing something dr- drastic about it. Yeah. And one of the reasons that Instagram gave for wanting to get rid of public and visible likes was so that people aren't compelled to create content based on whether or not it's going to get a like, but to create content that is authentic to them as a creator, that is unique content to be celebrated regardless of the likes. And I know also they've made, talks recently about going back to the way the algorithm used to be before which is chronological as opposed to the way the algorithm's been for the past couple of years where it's Mm -hmm. been based on um how much money you've paid for ads and or based on how many views or likes or your views and likes and the algorithm dictating what you see on the platform and i'm all for that in terms of you know creators being able to put out good content and and i would as an example i would love to see my sister and and the pictures of her kids and all those things show up on Instagram. But instead, when I go on Instagram, you know, I'm seeing bikini twerk videos. Well, yeah, you know. it's getting out of control. That's getting out of control, by the way. Yeah, it's it's just it TikTok's the same way, by the way. And, and it's funny because Chris and I TikTok together usually. And the For You page is supposed to be based on what it is that you view. And we we view stuff together. Most of what we view is joke-based content, but also we follow a lot of like miniature paintings, tabletop stuff, video game stuff, things of that nature. And it doesn't fucking matter because about every 15th post, both of us will get a twerk video, you know, yeah. or or yeah. whatever, you know. And, and it's the, like, the YouTube shorts algorithm is a little weird too because yes. I've noticed, and I showed this to my wife, I was like, look at this. When I go to, when I scroll down to where the shorts show, right, and you can start watching, it'll be twerk thumbnails. Yes. But when I click it, it will automatically kick in and start showing stuff that I actually like. Yes. But the thumbnails will be for like, you know. The most popular and videos. Yeah. And it's embarrassing. I mean, I'm a father, right? Um, And it's like, dude, like, I, I'm afraid to open my YouTube in front of my kids now. I mean, it's not nudity, but it's just like... Oh, and and they they understand kids, that it so. shows stuff that you you watch, so it's like normally. So normally, I open up my YouTube and it's something about an MMO, video games, an right. RPG, or something like that. And then, but then I scroll down to the shorts, and all the thumbnails will be you know a twerk video, basically. And it's like, how are you serious? But when I click it, it doesn't do that. That's what it makes changes, me mad. It's like, yeah. why can't you just show the thumbnails for what? And you're I you know I appreciate me? booty as much as the next guy. But, sure, but you know <laughs> I, I I like to watch content. You know, when yeah. I'm scrolling through my feeds. And... It's embarrassing to me being in a YouTube family, right? Yes. Where they know yeah, that YouTube right. shows you content you watch. And that <laughs> shows up. It's like, no, 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 no. No, 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 Shorts. Shorts is uh, doing something weird, you know. That's funny as hell, man. <laughs> so I'm I'm curious, man. I wanted to get maybe Nathan to kind of maybe fill us in a little bit on. I saw something with Pantheon not too long ago. 
Sure. Like, I think it was minus. Isn't he doing like some of the community stuff or whatever now for that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, minus is um, uh, uh, a content creator. So not like creating content in the game, but creating content for Pantheon to release. Like to a community public. in the community capacity. Right. So I saw sure. that they were doing like a. I didn't really know that I felt like it was necessary to do as like a podcast or something, but I think there was like a podcast kind of outlining. Yeah. Essentially, we're not go, we're not a niche MMO. So I was kind of curious yeah. if maybe you could summarize what yeah, that it was, was all really all about. Yeah, it was a really, really good podcast, by the way. It's really well done and put together. Minus did a great job, but it, it's Minus yeah. and Joppa, who's Joppa's the creative director, you know, yeah. the big the big guy. He's the he's the face of, of Pantheon. Um post Brad McQuaid passing away. Uh, and uh, basically what they did was uh, the topic that has always persisted for Pantheon is that it's very niche, right? Like this is a game built for very old school MMO players, um, which it is. But Joppa's point was that's not niche anymore, right? Like that gameplay style being a difficult um, right. game with risk, uh, risk versus reward and uh, with lots of game mechanics all coming into play at the same time. That's not niche anymore. That is actually mainstream appeal these days, right? Like games like Dark Souls, games like uh, even Mortal Warcraft Classic, um, you know, all these classic servers. This is, people are actually, there is a huge audience for that type of gameplay. And not to mention that Pantheon's doing things that are super unique that puts it in a a position that just separates it from from every other MMO, right? Like the climbing at any surface, um, open world now, seamless, no zones. Um, and, uh, the swimming capabilities, the classes having a very distinct, or I'm sorry, I meant to say, although the class also have very distinct, uh, uh roles, the races have very distinct, uh, abilities that make them different than playing the same class with a different race. These are things for many reasons, including that D and D is, blowing up more right. popular than it's ever been all these things kind of collimate to make the this not be niche anymore basically um you know and he went to really great conversations about some games like breath of the wild a huge inspiration for pantheon um uh for climbing for exploration for giant world building uh for uh all kinds of reasons uh he even went into a little bit about metroid dread and just like how that game although it's not an mmo at all uh, the feelings that they are able to evoke from giant creatures chasing you and things like that. Um, so yeah, it was pretty good. I thought it was awesome. Uh, and, and that podcast, which I believe they're going to do once a month is, uh, it's really good. It's worth listening. It's a good listen. I, um, I gotta say that, uh, we were talking before we started about, <laughs> We talked a little bit about NFTs and some stuff with like Keanu Reeves or whatever. You know, I got to mention this thing that was hilarious uh, this week. I saw something on social media. Now, I remember when Cyber, not Cyberpunk, but when uh, CG Project Red had posted something saying Keanu Reeves loves, he played, uh, he played Cyberpunk and he loved it. Did you all see this? I saw this, man. And yeah. there was an interview and he he's like, someone's like, so you you uh you play the games? He's like, I don't play games. <laughs> he doesn't. It was like, okay, homie, <laughs> he didn't play the game. Like he clearly didn't play the game. Yeah. And it was like, I felt like as much as I like what CD Projekt Red does, I love playing like Gwent. I love The Witcher. 
right? I haven't played through Cyberpunk. It, the, the bugs did hold me back from giving that a chance in the beginning. I do have it. One of these days I'll play it. But it just, it's like, isn't it really, isn't it important to, I don't know, be honest? Like, not, not like bullshit and blow smoke up people's? I think that that might have been blown out of proportion, too, because I'd, I'd be willing to bet that he probably did play it in the course of, you know, but I think during the interview yeah. that came out, he hasn't actually played it, played it. Like, it was before? He hasn't, he hasn't actually sat down and played the whole game. I think he was probably given, you know, uh, press packet. Uh, that's not the word yeah. I'm looking for, but you know, I know, you know the review copies. He was probably giving yeah, yeah. A re- given a review copy at specific events, and he probably played it for ten minutes. And that's probably where the whole he played the game came from. But then oh, when they right. did the interview recently, he's like, "Yeah, I haven't played it. You know, I haven't actually sat there and played the whole thing yet." So it's not like Henry Cavill, who's played The Witcher through, you know, three through twice. Oh right, yeah. But it was funny because they actually did an interview with Henry recently because of all the press around The Witcher two, and he was saying he's actually never played the DLC yet. For the Witcher Three, and he said the holidays this winter he's planning on going home for the holidays and sitting down with his nephews and actually playing through the hmm. the the Heart of Stone and Blood and Wine expansions. Which I was like, kudos, man, because Blood and Wine is one of the coolest fucking expansions I've ever played. Like vampires and yeah. vineyards and 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 I mean, Geralt gets Good. a retirement, you know, and it's like it's mm-hmm. a really it's a cool expansion, like a nice way to send that character off. Um, anyway, sorry, uh, got yeah, sidetracked there. Henry Cavill swoon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's uh I, I don't know, man. I think that one was real. I couldn't actually get through the other one. Was it the Heart of Stone or Heart of Heart and whatever it's called? Heart of Stone was the middle one, is the first expansion. It wasn't yeah, as good. Was I did the other one first and then came uh, back okay. to that one. Yeah. Heart I, of I Stone was the storyline wasn't that great. You uh, get the, the the man of mirrors or whatever he was, yeah. the like the devil basically. Mm. Um it was it was okay, but Man, Blood and Wine was just one of those. It's one of those standout expansions that was as good as like maybe the original game. I mean, it was just yeah. so huge. Um, I do want to say something on NFTs because we talked about yes. it. Quick. Have you guys seen this? With um, this is a, a side one that I didn't bring up for the show, but it popped into my head as we were talking. So there was an interview that went around. It's been a couple months ago now. Somebody was sitting down with um, Quentin Tarantino explaining NFTs. And they were talking about how about the scene of Jules and I forget the two characters' name, but when they're pointing the pistols down for Pulp Fiction at the guy, you know, English motherfucker, do you speak it? Like that scene mm-hmm. where 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 you've got John Travolta and Samuel Jackson pointing their pistols down, and the guy was explaining to to Quentin like that NFT, if you sold that as an NFT, it'd probably be worth twenty million dollars. And 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 Quentin's like going, explain NFTs to me. And then like a couple <laughs> weeks later, he makes this announcement that he's going to sell NFTs based on Pulp Fiction, and within a week, Miramax, I believe who it is, who owns the rights to the films, sues Quentin Tarantino, saying, you don't have the right to make NFTs off of that material because we own the rights to those characters. And Quentin fired back and says, actually, fuck you. Yes, you own the rights to movies, but I reserve the rights in my contract to script-based um things you know and that's part of the script so i can sell whatever it's my creation but this is one of those things where it was very interesting to see Mm -hmm. uh rights at play trademark at play but more importantly a company like miramax freaking the fuck out that quentin's gonna go off and make 150 million (laughs) dollars and they're not gonna get any of it they're there's they're suing him (sighs) in court going no 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 no. that you know 80 percent of that and that's that needs to be for us 
which goes wow. to show you some of the craziness around NFTs right now in the sense that it is the Wild West. There is a ton of money to be made, and that's why a lot of people are jumping on the bandwagon, and this is how we could spin it back around to how perhaps Ubisoft is <laughs> making yeah. that bandwagon leap as opposed to actually doing something that could be good for game development. Mm -hmm. How that wasn't what we talking about, how there was like an announcement for that or a video or something they like that. They decided to sell NFTs or offer NFTs for free to people who play their games. And if you play their games and have a subscription and all this other stuff, you were going to get free NFTs in these games, right? They made the YouTube video and within, I think within a week, they pulled the YouTube video off because it had a 95% downvote like everyone just hated it like the news like and it was just like and and there's actually i think it was man i gotta it was either the european union i might have to dig it up now somebody in the european union or in france itself even accused ubisoft of like you guys are just you're not doing something that's good for development or good for the environment or good for anybody you're just trying to get rich quick mm. using the latest fad sure. that's guzzy. that's a good point yep that's a very scuzzy thing to do and right. who knows but it just goes to show you that even though there are some some i would say legitimate we talked about one and i can't remember the name of it now a few weeks ago we talked about one that looked like it might be a legitimate project because it was backed by by venture capitalists like 12 million dollars of money and they were building the game first and yeah. then they were going to tie some nfts to the like player economy and stuff but also peter molyneux the creator of um fable fabled just made an announcement like last week that his next game it's 100 nft it's 100 about it's all going to be nfts it's all going to be player driven i'm building i'm building the next big nft game and it's just like uh, that guy oh, look look i look i know it's been a long time it's been a long time. But that little weasel is the guy who came out when Fable was being developed all over the gaming magazines acting like, oh, you can carve your initials in a tree and you can do all this. And at the time he even said that, months and months and months, almost a year ago, they'd already realized that was freaking impossible. And just that one thing would take up an entire game disc uh, to do on Xbox. And it was impossible. And he was still running around claiming all this stuff you could do in Fable that you grew up naturally in the environment. You could do this and you could do that. And he already knew these things were impossible. Um, He's got way, for that so many times. Yeah, he, he blows things so out of proportion. And, you know, if you're the most recent example in gaming I think of where we had that was, uh, I don't remember the guy's name, but the guy from No Man's Sky um who who blew that game out of proportion claimed all this silly stuff that wasn't in the game um and actually even there was jokes made to him in interviews about oh man it'd be messed up if this and he was like oh we'd never do that and that was exactly what was in the game like it was so ugly but but peter molyneux was like the original og liar to get people to buy his game and, and pre-order it etc so that guy, Jeez. I'm sorry, but no, that no. guy he, also. I don't trust nothing he says. No, and he got slammed too because he did a Kickstarter project a few years back called God something God under. I forget what it was called. Oh right, right. But right. It, it it totally like he made a bunch of claims. They kickstarted it, and and he just kept saying, "Oh, it's going to do this, 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 and this." And like two years went by, and there was nothing post Kickstarter, and then it just went belly up. And he's like, "Yep, sorry guys, it's it's up in smoke." 
And it's like, this is from a guy who supposedly is a triple A, you know, big name in the industry. And he burned right. through millions of dollars of, of funding from Kickstarter investors and developed nothing, basically just paid himself a nice fat salary for three or four years. And I remember, cause I remember using that as an example years ago with the saga leukemia. And I pointed at that as um, a, 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 a faulty management because he made a claim during the, the post when people were ridiculing him for how, you know, you failed. He's like, well, there's just things you can't predict in game development. And I literally went, that is the biggest line of bullshit I have ever heard because I don't care what industry you are in. If you are an expert in an industry or you are a veteran of any industry, mm. you know what something is going to cost yep. and how long it's going to take to do within a window of time. And I say this as, you know, a contractor on various different fields for, you know, 30 plus years now, um, maybe not 30 plus years, but getting close to there. Um, I've always just as a rule of thumb, something I was taught very early on is just whatever you think it's going to take time and money wise, tack on 25% extra. That's that margin of error to cover the things that you can't anticipate and can't do anything about because it's out of your control. Um, if, if if there's something that's outside of that 25% window, you suck at your job to not be able to create a margin of of time and responsibility and budget and everything else. And to like totally blow it off is like, you just can't predict what's going to happen in game development. It's like, dude, you've been in game development for 30 fucking years. You can get an idea of some stuff. Come on now. Yeah, like you know it's going to cost you this much for a programmer. And, and somebody made this comment to me that, sorry, I'm ranting now. Um, it's fine. I've been, we do. I've been doing incarnate maps for the modules for weave in the void so I'm, I'm going in there and making these maps in incarnate which is what this map was made on and and i think it was guilla Greer, i forget how to pronounce your name but he was in and he was saying something along the lines of i think i would get lost in this program and spend just i would never stop and it would never finish and i replied back to that and said well that's that's for me i have a hard stopping point of when I am allowed, so I am allowed 10 hours maximum on any given map. My goal is to try to finish a map in five to six hours, but I give myself a 10 hour window so that I can have time if I need it to go over and add extra detail here and there. But I have a hard limit of 10 hours on any given map. And that means that no matter how finished or unfinished that map is by the 10 hour mark, it's off to finished production like it's done it is ready to be put into the module and i'm not allowed to touch it anymore after 10 hours and that's how you control that's project management 101 like you have deadlines on things so that you can move the project along and so that you don't go over schedule over budget so movies films books games it doesn't matter what industry you're in time limits budgets people management like and project management skills and anything, anything artistic, um, it's very easy to get caught up on a detail and waste a crap ton of time if you don't have a schedule in place, right? So, you know, um, CGI, whatever it may be, um, it, it's just too easy to fall into a trap where you put this immense amount of time into something that's just not worth that much time to the publisher developer whatever the case may be it's so true and and i want to say this because i love my wife everybody knows chris is an amazing person but she is she just started doing art and i'm going to use this air quotes she just started doing art professionally 
this year for our project. She's never done freelance ever before. And I have given her a lot of leeway because of the learning curve and just, you know, letting her learn the tools at her own pace. Because I don't want her to start to dislike this because I want her, I want her to have fun doing it. But I did tell her when she got back from, because she was gone for six weeks and she she got back, she had four chapters to get caught up on. And she, she had some artist block issues with the last chapter and I was okay with that. I was like, you know, you do what you need to do. And then this most recent one, I said, I think she started on Monday and I was like, as a challenge to yourself, I'm not telling you that you have to do this, but as a challenge to yourself, see if you can't get this done by Wednesday night. That gives you a, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, gives you a three-day turnaround as opposed to allowing you to have as much time as you need and see what you can get done. And it was funny because I woke up this morning and I was like, have you sent, did you send me the image? She's like, no. And I'm like, well, let's take a look at it. And we looked at it with coffee. And it was done. She was just indecisive about and then we're sitting there drinking coffee, and I was explaining to her what I want, what I would like to see from this particular thing. And she starts like deleting it, and she's like, "I'll just redo it." I'm like, "No, no, 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 no! Right, right. You finished last night. Like now, you just have to, you know, put that last little polish on and send it off. Like your deadline is done. Like you don't get to spend yeah. any more time. On it. like, <laughs> it's done, you know. And, and that's that's good. That's good for an artist. It doesn't yes. seem like it in the moment, right? It really doesn't, because I've done freelance work. Where it's like, hey, this has to be done by this point. You're and you're busting your ass trying to get it done, and you're not happy with it, right? When you turn it in, you're like, shit. If I had a little bit, but the problem is, is for an artist, you always want a little more. It's time. never gonna you, be. There's finished. never enough time. There's not enough time in your lifetime for what you actually wanted to do. So having a deadline, you're like, well, that's it. That's what I got. It's like that's good for you. It really is. Um, it keeps you from spending forever. What is that movie? Sorry, I'm going to get sidetracked now. There was a movie with um, Tobey Maguire was in it. And I want to say it was around the time he did Spider-Man. And maybe it was Kirk Douglas. And it's about a writer, like a professor, who's a writer. And he's the, Tobey Maguire's the student. And the writer, like the professor has been working on this novel for like 20 years. Mm. And it's like just this, it's this manuscript that is like impossible. It will never be published because it's like a, a thousand paged manuscript at this point and i'm gonna i'm really want to know i'm out of huh. time ren um i'm gonna look this up real quick uh you're out of time ren lol you know <laughs> oh man dude oh i still got some things on the agenda too do y'all see the elden ring while we're waiting for him to look this up did y'all see the, El- yes. the new elden ring freaking trailer from the game yes Wars? yes oh my god dude i saw that and i was like oh my oh that's oh, me yeah. nerding uh, hard, man. Nerding well, out so hard. Oh, it looks hard. good, dude. So, so we got a long time. We got so long oh. before new El- Elder Scrolls game, right? But, dude, I really feel like this might be it. Elden Ring might give us maybe, that and then and then we got disavowed pretty soon too. So, yeah, between those two, one of these games is going to hold us over till the next Elder Scrolls single player. I feel like Elden Ring is like taking the 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 like dark fantasy element from like uh, Dark Souls with the same sort yeah. of gritty vibe and like the punishing nature, but taking it and giving it this open world sort of approach to where you can like craft and do things like that. And it just aesthetically looks like a dark souls game that I would want to, I would love to live in, but it's in this, it seems like open world. I've pre-ordered it. I plan on playing it. Like I'm, I'm definitely going to give it a shot, man. I'm stoked, really freaking stoked. And, and 
I didn't really like have like I've I've done some research of like going and looking on YouTube videos and things like that to get an idea of like the lore and what's going on there. But it was really good for them to actually to put this out and give you a bit of that, a taste of what that is. Uh, yep. Talking about like the tarnished and the Elden Ring and giving you a snapshot of like some of these like old deities and stuff that were there, demigods or whatever. It was pretty. It was pretty exciting to like to check that out, man. You find it, Renfell? Yeah, it's Wonder Boys was the name of the film. Um, oh. It's uh, it was yeah, it's Tobey Maguire. Um, Michael Douglas, Francis McDormand, Katie Holmes, Rip Torn, Robert Downey Jr. Oh, uh, it was a, a 2000 comedy oh, drama. It's a really good film. It. It's a really good film. Um, it's a comedy drama. So, I mean, there's ups and downs into it, but it is really good. The reason I remembered it was because and it says in the wiki, it was a 2,500 page second oh, gosh, novel. Dude. Like He just can't finish the second novel because he doesn't ever give himself a deadline. And that's, that's the curse. Mm. Now, and, to, and to spin this back though, to, um, Elden Ring. Um, I'm intrigued by it, um, but I'm also there's a part of me, and this is probably my own fault for having read some some reviews of the um, review version that people played the the open demo. Oh right, right, oh, the demo, yeah. Yeah. yeah, which yeah. is that it's it's there are some elements of it that are too open world, like. Mm. It's just so big and so vast that for people who need a little bit of guidance, they're going to quickly find themselves completely bored because they're going to be running across the landscape mm -hmm. looking for the next thing to do. And instead of finding the next thing to do, it's just just keep riding on the horizon until you find a cave and then there's a boss and you kill the boss and you get some more experience points and maybe some cool loot and then you go on to the next. And for some people... That's not enough. Now, that's not to say that that's a good or bad thing, but I have yeah. read that, and it, and I know myself. Here's the thing. With EverQuest 1, we didn't have a lot of quests, but what kept me entertained in a world that was that big and that vast was not what's over the next horizon per se. It was what's over the next horizon with my friends and mm -hmm. that guild MMOR that massively multiplier yeah. multiplayer component that's yeah. not going to be there with Elden Ring it's a single player game for the most part and so I'm I'm for my own personal sake slightly worried that I might get bored in that game because it's a little too open world but yeah. I don't know that that's necessarily the case I just True. know from a couple of reviews that yep. I read I'm I, I've kind of looked at the gameplay and went some of it looks really interesting the story sounds amazing but what about this huge open world that's just there for you to run around in mm. outside of the storylines. I'm probably never going to see that because I'm not the type of player who's just going to go by myself. I might add, if I'm in an MMORPG, that's different. Then it's definitely like, Oh, we've got a group of six. I think we can survive. Let's head out in that direction. There was a cave. I think I saw over there. Let's go see what's over there. And you're with friends. And so that, that adventure is like a tabletop setting you know right. yeah the joking and the camaraderie but when you're by yourself it's like you it's a headset and you're just going and at some point it's like i've been running for 15 minutes what the fuck like there's nothing here as much as i love red dead redemption 2 that game suffers from that a little bit um because you can just spend hours just riding in a direction without ever doing anything yeah and that could be this is also something that comes back to the development um, 
when I was working on an MMORPG, several of the meetings that I took with veteran developers, um, I was always told that the last thing you want to do is allow players lots of open space with nothing to do because they will quickly find themselves bored. And if they are bored, they log out. If they log out, you're not getting their money, sure. their subscription. They're not log- Even if it's a free-to-play game, mm-hmm. if they're not in the game providing you know, group opportunities for other players, then you're losing out. So you have to create. And this kind of comes back to the dopamine thing that has kind of overtaken development to some degree in a bad way. It's kind of, we've, we've swung a little too far in that we have to give them something every 10 seconds yeah. or they're going to log out. Yeah. Anyway, I, I digress. What I'm saying is, I think Elden Ring looks amazing. Um, <clears throat> but from a personal level, I've looked at it and gone, man, I hope that it's not... Because it was one thing I loved about God of War, the most recent God of War, was as big as that world was, there was always side quests that, yeah. would, that were going to keep me... They were going to take me to a whole new part of the map, and I was going to explore that map in like a 5-10 to 10 hour narrative, mm-hmm. which was amazingly done. And every single side quest feels like a, you know, because it's multiple mission, multiple sessions to complete. And so each sub subsequent part of the map felt complete because I wasn't ever allowed to just not have something to do. And that's something that concerns me about Elden Ring is that there are spaces where there's not anything to do other than go find a new boss mob. And, and that. Yeah, I, I think I think what happened was, was the demo was specifically mm-hmm. designed to yeah. test out some general things in the game, right? And I believe, based on things I've read from the developer, in response to uh, uh, things from that they got from that feedback, yeah. was that they specifically removed some things from the That's world was, yeah. so that oh, it would focus see, the player... Right. Yeah, so mm-hmm. so like what I don't know if you've played Dark Souls, but Dark Souls and, and nah, once again, I want to be it. very clear, Elden mm-hmm. Ring is not Dark Souls True. open world. It is a new right. style, right? Yep. But you can take some you can kind of like Dark Souls <clears throat> is the same developers, right? Yeah. And it was and, and there was always this little mystery of like, I wonder if I would have went left back there instead of straight. And it will drive you mad. You'll end up going back and trying it, right? Or I saw a dragon ahead, but I couldn't get past him because he's breathing fire. No way I could survive. And then you're like, but wait a minute. There's this element that I didn't try. I just thought of that. And you're like, it's one of those games where you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, oh my God, I just have an idea that might work in in, in the game and, and let me do that thing I was thinking about. And I did notice from what we've seen at Elden Ring so far, points of interest are everywhere right? right there's always like this cool looking castle over here this lighthouse on the edge of the water over here this uh it's just like i i think that's what hopefully right because that's yeah. what drove breath of the wild because yes breath of the wild is mostly lots open. of points of interest though like crafting yeah, opportunities gathering something. yeah you've that's always what I was getting to something it was like i want to do that and, you, and while mm-hmm. you're doing that you see like three other points of interest you're like oh god which one do i do yeah. right now and that just, that's what I, they're going for. So now, do they like, pull it off? I don't know, but I, I wouldn't be worried about that. I think they've got, I think they've got that pretty much unlocked now. Yeah, that's been my impression so too. That's, that's mostly my own personal yeah. concerns. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be a bad game. And it sounds to me like I could be misinterpreting what I've read or seen. And I maybe just haven't read enough about the game yet. Um, visually, I think it just looks flat out freaking amazing. Man. Um, and I do want to say, you know, knock on wood, hopefully I'm not jinxing myself by this. Um, we were talking about this briefly before the show. 
Um, I hadn't bought a new next generation console yet because I was just, you know, all the PS5 exclusives that I want aren't happening until the end of 2022. Like God of War got pushed back. The Harry Potter open world game got pushed back. The closest one would have been Elden Ring. And then they've got one where it's like a female protagonist from the real world who gets transported. Or spoken, something like that. Yeah, I think that one. Those two intrigue me, but not enough that I was like, you know, I'll wait. So recently I've been just keeping an eye on things and the PS5 has popped up quite a bit on Amazon over this, this past year. Um, but the Xbox series X was really hard. It was only, it's only popped up on Amazon twice this entire year. One was shortly before Thanksgiving and the other was this morning and knock on wood. I did pre-order this morning and hopefully there's no snafus with my order because mm. they say it's going to be here on Sunday. But mm. one of the reasons I wanted to get the Xbox as opposed the one of the reasons I preferred to get the Xbox first as opposed to the PlayStation is because of the and I might be going slightly off topic here, but I'm looking at the the connections Microsoft has made buying up these amazing game studios and pushing yes. these games towards Xbox exclusives. Yeah. And I'm thinking not just Zenimax here and Bethesda. Yeah. I'm also thinking I'm also thinking Obsidian with Avowed yep, coming Avowed out. Avowed and yep, Elder Scrolls. And, and stuff, so yeah. I looked at that and said, I'd rather have not only just that, obviously Halo Infinite is out and yep. I'd love to be able to dive into that. But game Microsoft Game Pass, which I don't have yet because I've been holding off on that. That is a, an incredible deal yep. in terms of the fact that you get access to like 100 games in the library, all the Xbox Studio games you get included with that subscription, and you get a steep discount on all these other titles. And so I went, all right, so I, you know, I went ahead and made that purchase feeling justified in the sense that I'm also hopefully future-proofing myself because I know that some of the games that I am extremely looking forward to, like Avowed, Elder Scrolls Six. Star, what is the star? I forget the name. Starfield. Starfield. You know, there's some really good games that are gonna be Xbox exclusives that I am really looking forward to playing. Plus, I just feel like the Game Pass is gonna get even better and better as they add more games. And and yes, cloud gaming is another aspect of that. That's getting better. Um, yeah, it's getting crazy. I I feel like they're making lots of good moves in that direction. I have been extremely satisfied with the PS4 over the years correct me if i'm wrong elder uh elden ring is going to be both yes yeah it's gonna be a lot of different places yeah Yeah. pc as well yeah Uh, one one thing i want to say because you mentioned game pass for anybody listening um game pass right now and i would assume that this is probably gonna run till probably the end of the year so that all the christmas people getting xboxes and everything um game pass right now the first three months is one dollar for the ultimate which includes pc and xbox um uh it's that's crazy good and that's then a, that is crazy yeah. cheap and amazing yeah um, a dollar because because i told chris the way i justified it to chris was like a i haven't bought myself anything in a really long time and i said b look at it as an investment towards youtube content creation because i'm getting a bunch of cool games that i could play on the xbox and a bunch of cool games that i could play on the pc which gives me an unlimited amount of video content that i can yeah. create for youtube without needing to spend sixty dollars on these games when they come out. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that was part of the way I was able to convince mm-hmm. her to let me buy both consoles if I wanted to. But I was, I was just like, you know what? I'm happy just buying the Xbox for now. Cause like Elden ring, as an example, I can play it on the Xbox. I don't need a PlayStation for that. And the PlayStation yeah. exclusives that I care about aren't going to happen until late next year. So I'll just hold off on getting a PS five for a while. Cause also like 
I really wanted to play Cyberpunk 2077 on the PS5, but they aren't even doing the PS5 version until sometime in mid-2022, so... Yeah. Eh. But I do feel, you know, I, assuming everything comes through, uh, Halo Infinite will probably be my... Uh, that'll be my Christmas treat, will be the campaign. It's we'll pretty fantastic. I've been playing I, on Game Pass. I wanted to piggyback off of this thing that we talked about, too. We are talking about a lot of games that are being developed and what the next year looks like. It had a couple points. I actually linked something here in in chat for everybody on our, our kind of like next topic I wanted to hit on as we're kind of discussing different things right now. Intriguing factions. Yes. Yeah, so the Elder Scrolls Online, this is something that's also applying to like Gwent. Now I know, okay, so we're going to talk about this. So we already know, like Ashes is already talking about a big announcement coming up for the next live stream, right? Uh, for, and this is the MMORPG in development. We look at Gwent. Now Gwent, they did their... Uh, the Gwent tournament basically at the end of the year, right? For their whole tournament, watched it. it was great. It was a fun time. They did a discussion about the essentially like timeline for content in the next year. And it looks like they're actually kind of like, you know, going a little pacing themselves, working on refining the game a bit. I look at the Elder Scrolls Online. And in an interview, they talked about the next year ahead, right? And they actually are kind of taking it a little bit more chilled too. They're going to like expand on like, I think, one of the races lore and they're talking about so i'm i'm kind of anticipating we're going to get like a big zone launch like something like rothgar maybe where we're going to talk about like a little bit of like the history of a race we're going to do a little bit of focus on like intrigue in between like the different factions um stuff like that and it seems like they uh it seems like and i got two parts to this too because there's uh also this is like the one side, and then there's the other side, community oriented that I want to talk about. But they uh, are discussing that they're going to be basically focusing on this, taking it a little easy, focusing on their uh, their members of their development team. And I'm not really too sure what that meant. If they're talking about like health and safety or something different, but they discussed that some of the hardware is actually they haven't gotten some of the hardware that they're needing to make some of the changes to the server side, their data centers. I think it was. And it looks like in the next few months, they're going to get some, but it looks like some of it's actually going to be delayed a bit. So it looks like that might be impacting some of their decision-making around what the next year looks like. And I mean, certainly when, you know, it's no life threatening uh, thing is happening to the world, but they're sort of taking it a bit more relaxed and chill and focusing maybe on just like the game and stuff. So I saw a video recently on YouTube where the... I'm not here to knock anybody, but it was not a good look for the creative director, right? Uh, of Rich? The Trolls? Yes, um, yeah. because somebody was like posting in their chat when he was streaming and stuff, and he, this person got banned, and like, quite frankly, they didn't really say anything super horrible, but they got banned, and um, a lot of it was about like their crown store, their cash shop, talking about like how certain things don't really make sense to be selling them ex exploitive of the players. And he just like got, he lost his shit. He got triggered and just kind of like went off. And I was like, oh, that doesn't, that doesn't look good because from my perspective, it looks less like want to hear what community members have to say and take that feedback and be, use it. And just kind of really more of like this. So it was actually surprising for me to see that reaction, that strong of a reaction. Um, you know, you yeah. know. Go ahead, Nathan. I'll, I'll follow up. I, I just feel like at first I didn't know where you were going. Then I remembered when you when you said it. Um, it feels like to me mm. that he has been in a meeting. 
recently mm. where they maybe put a lot of pressure on him yeah. about something related to that. Interesting. And now here he is live streaming and yeah. this person says this thing and he's feeling very strong about it because of something from the team or something coming or something, something right. There's I just, there's something going on in the background of that situation that we don't know about. That's what, that's what I've read from that 1000%. The, um, the, the counter to that or the counter to what, what he might've said. And, and this sort of ties into what Nathan was saying, but I'm saying counter to um, what you were saying, um, Sim playing devil's advocate for a minute. Um, I've True. never been in his seat where you're running a game that has millions of players, but I can mm -hmm. say from my stint as creative director of Saga Lucima, where we're dealing with thousands of players and thousands mm -hmm. of community members and thousands of opinions, yeah. it can get very difficult sometimes to keep a to keep yourself from losing your cool when you're answering comments about yeah. certain hot topics because you've probably heard that negativity oh yeah 20 30 40 50 times now i can only mm -hmm. imagine the shoes that he's in because i might have only heard negativity about a certain theme 150 200 times okay and it gets to you but it's it's something that you can shrug off i can't even imagine being in a position where you've heard you know 5000 people mm. and they've been ra ragging on you about that one thing all day, every day for the past three, six, five, ten months or whatever. And then you have a meeting, like Nathan says, and that hot topic gets brought up again. Mm -hmm. And then you immediately go into a live stream and somebody starts picking at that wound. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it we're all human. And this is this is this is this this is the place where I sometimes think, and I'm not trying to bash anybody here by, by saying this, I think it's easy to lose perspective sometimes as consumers yeah and and point the finger and be like he's the creative director he should never lose his cool that's why he's in that position mm -hmm. yes that is true but also are we not allowed like there was a I, an article i read somewhere recently about are we not allowed to be human fucking beings anymore <laughs> like, that's what i'm talking about and, and this applies to even just employees mm -hmm. like who are being crunched to death like no one's treated like humans anymore, and and it feels like to some degree, the pan the stress of the pandemic has pushed yeah. everybody to their breaking point about mm -hmm. all these different things. And I'm sure. only saying this in the scope of devil's advocate because also, yeah, as a creative director, you kind of aren't supposed to lose your cool, but it yeah. is every once in a while you're gonna just find yourself in the moment. And you're going to say something, and then immediately afterwards, you're going to be like, oh, shit, I shouldn't have said that. Like, Yeah, and uh, as the creative director, the reason I really feel like something triggered, there was a triggering factor. Yeah. And I'm going to I'm gonna give a super big hypothesis here, but mm -hmm. the reason I feel like that is he's the creative director. Yeah. Chances are he has had a lot, personally, himself, mm -hmm. has pushed back against cash shops. I can all, As a creative director, I can almost guarantee you that he personally in meetings has pushed back on Zenimax on certain things. So my hypothesis, just knowing his title and seeing him in the past and et cetera, I would guess that what has happened was that something, either that exact thing the, the person was talking about or something so similar that it, it, it couldn't help but trigger him. 
He has recently pushed back against himself, was told point blank, this is the way it is, maybe even shown why it is that way. Like, look, bro, making stuff up here, right? Look here, bro, if it wasn't for that, the we, numbers, could employ, bitch. we could employ 150 mm -hmm. people in this studio, so shut up, right? Like, we have to do mm -hmm. these things. Um, and whatever it was, when that person said it, mm -hmm. he just lost it. And yeah. he, probably, he probably spat out words that mm -hmm. had been told to him. Right. That's my guess. So, if I had to guess. Yeah. And the other part too, that I think was a reinforcer of this, like that was sort of catalyzed his reaction was, I think it was like a few days beforehand. Right. Cause I, to be fair, this video that someone put out, they may have a tendency of really own, like, I'm not gonna say only, but primarily focusing on everything that Zenimax isn't doing right. So in fairness, I've got to state that. The other contributing factor, like hands down, this was just not a good look because the way it came out, yeah. it was very condescending yeah. and like the chat was like sort of fat and white nighty. It got framed really negatively, right? But here's the other uh, con a bit of context. Totally agree with you all. Totally believe he's probably sitting in a meeting and you know, there's probably all this stuff going on behind the scenes that also added to that. And on top of it, on social media, on Twitter, uh, I think that the Elder Scrolls channel uh, Twitter, right, had uh, posted something about like uh, crown gems and basically these like really simple things that you can spend money on in the game, like vampire bites and shrines for respects or whatever. They're pretty inexpensive. It's pretty, pretty easy and cheap to get these. And the price tag on buying these out of the store was like pretty significant, like eight bucks for something you're like, Ooh, man, for that pack, really? Like that's pretty, that's so not worth that kind of money. Like the mm. value's not there. And so you even had some of the people in their content creator team responding to this, telling people don't buy this stuff. You can get it for free. <laughs> so this was also, I think probably a foundational reason for this sort of like reaction. Yeah. This reminds me too. For um, so because I'm playing EverQuest 2 pretty heavily right now for content creation, I've got two accounts. And uh, my box account, I mm -hmm. wasn't paying a subscription for because I was just dragging that character around with me and I didn't need, you know, you can have free to play. So then Chris decided that she wanted to give EverQuest 2 a try. And I was like, cool, use my box account. And when she logged in, I already had two characters on that, on that account. And so you're not allowed to do the free to play. So I was like, well, I'll just buy another slot. So I go to the cash shop. Right to buy the daybreak coins, and it was like fifteen dollars. No, it's ten dollars. It was ten dollars to add a character slot, and I looked at that and went, "Uh, ten bucks to buy another character slot is bullshit." When I can get a subscription for fifteen and get unlimited character slots for that fifteen dollars, so why would I give you ten bucks one off? I'm just gonna pay the sub for fifteen, get an unlimited amount of character slots, and I get five hundred DB points every month for that anyway. Mm. So, and it's like. Some people look at that and be like, yeah, but they got you. They got you. They got you for 15 instead of 10. And I'm like, but in my eyes, the value is that I get an unlimited amount of character slots so she can create all the alts she wants. I can create all the alts I want. Mm -hmm. And I have 500 coins, $5 a month. Yeah. Yeah. That's worth my five pocket. bucks right there, right? Yeah, yeah. it's mm -hmm. worth $5. So it's like I already did the $10 exchange 
right there. It's like, so in the end, I feel like I won, <laughs> you know, but it is, you sometimes you have to look at those cash store items and yeah. you can go, what the fuck are you thinking? Cause yeah. 10 bucks for another character slot yeah. just feels a little ridiculous to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it is a yeah, pay- break. It's pay for convenience, man. Like you don't have to buy that stuff, right? It's just at the end of the day, you still don't, you genuinely don't have to buy any of these things. And also, especially because I came from the old version of EverQuest Mm. 2, where I got an unlimited amount of character slots Mm. anyway, and now I got to pay for them. And it's like the little things. Yeah. So from a customer point of view, yeah, sometimes you can look at those things and be like, that's a little overpriced and not worth it. Yeah, and what are the odds you'll pay for multiple months now? Absolutely, because I always pay for three-month chunks. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the, there's a lot of pains in the MMO world that are because of free-to-play. And free-to-play does bring in people um, so that your world is a little more vibrant with other people, et cetera, et cetera. But then, you know, it adds problems on uh, as well. So uh, that's one of those where it's like, you know, and then, and then you get issues what daybreak has ran into and I'm not taking up for them. I think they're generally speaking, their policy has been pretty trash for a while, but uh, they run into the issue where they're like, our player base is small, especially for EverQuest two. So we're going to charge just a couple little more bucks more. Gotta to try to eat it, it out. It's rough, man. Because right. it is not, it doesn't have a huge population, so they got to try to keep it running. And I don't yeah. know what their, I don't know what their minimum numbers might be for that. But they were know, released I, recently by accident, um, and I don't remember, but it was a, it was low. It was like, a few the other like thirty the, or forty thousand. And I know they just yeah. announced yesterday or the day before they're actually merging Rivervale with the Antonio Bale server, which is the server we're playing on. So we're about to get an influx of players mm. from oh. the Rivervale server. So, yeah, I got to point out too, like another point that on this video that was made that I think is important to to actually like reference is like sometimes people frame classes being I I used to kind of view it this way, but I think it's important, like lots of games out there. This is in fairness to like to to the Elder Scrolls and Zenimax too, right? Not just because I run a website and create content or whatever. I'm trying to be on their good side or anything like that. Like it just it's real talk plenty of games release classes with an expansion yep right is it coincidental that these classes are probably very strong compared to their counterparts that were there before no is it surprising no you would entice people to pick a class because it's stronger to pay money sure is that pay to win though no No. you have to so there's an old even back when mmos didn't have free to play and all this nonsense they still had to make the new class super enticing because yes. you have to start over. You right. have to entice people to start over. Nobody right. will play the new class. So a good example of that would have been when the XR came out for EverQuest 1 for Kunark because they were extremely overpowered compared to everybody else because they had regen, they could breathe underwater, they could swim faster, like all these perks. But you know what the con was? You were KOS everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But the the, the, mm. the pro is like everyone's gonna want to play these because they're super fast, super strong. They can swim, breathe, regen, all the things that made you really OP. But yeah, there was a downside to There's it as a well. Big you downside. know, yeah, big you downside. couldn't go anywhere. Yeah, hunted across the world. So here's here's the deal, right? Like we we talked about some of these elements, and we've talked about 
Ah, oh, let's talk a little bit. I kind of want to talk about the, a few other things. We've got to hit on a couple industry items that I feel like are important. And then I think we can kind of hit into some of the, the lasting bits here. Um, one, Gamigo is going to be publishing for the Fractured MMO. When did that yeah. become a thing? Really? I would uh, say so that's... Sorry, I got to... Mine will be quick, Nathan. This yeah, is my thanks. perspective. My perspective is, is, is that Fractured was so desperate for money that they, they went with... No. They went wherever they could get the easiest amount of money. That would be my opinion on things. I, but that's just my opinion. So... I have a good relationship with uh, the the main developer um, of Fractured MMO, and um, uh, I think they've got a really great uh, project going. I like their ideas. Um, you know, the whole thing like where it's like, hey, if you want PvP, then start here on this continent or go to this continent, and they, you know, there's free for all uh, PvP here. But if you don't want that, then just stay over here on this continent. There won't be that. This is a PvE continent. So that's a really great idea. And there's a third continent, but I get confused on what it's all about. Um, but and and I think that that team is super passionate. Um, and I watched the entire thing where he kind of broke down why they decided to go game ago. And Rimpo, I haven't watched it. So Rimpo's pretty much right. Um, based on what was said there, was like, hey. We needed the funding to do this as an Oof. MMO. It's expensive. Oof, um, that hurts and to what, hear. Yeah, what we wanted to do was kind of a big deal, kind of hard for us to pull off. Now we can do those things. Um, the caveat, and he didn't say this, I'm just saying because it's Game Ago, I think we all know that the caveat is that it's Game Ago, um, they suck. It's probably, honestly, in my personal opinion, the shittiest company out there um, that you could be published by as far as uh, getting treated not good and them just demanding horrible things that are not good for your game or your players. Uh, I don't even know where they're at these days, but they talked to us back in 2017 with Saga with Semia, and I just thought their offer was fucking ludicrous. It was like, there's no, why, what are you smoking? Like, and I know other people, I don't know if Scribbles is still here, but I think he's had some positive conversations with them about like defend the night stuff. Um, but my experience with them was not positive, and I've not I've not seen anything positive come out of their relationships yet. So I would be very interested to see if the pros can outweigh the cons, and if the fractured team can navigate the mess that comes with Gamago. And I could benefit of the doubt, Gamago could have changed so much since I talked to them. And in the last year, we don't know. Like maybe they've turned a new leaf. You know, it, it's possible, you know, but I, I like, I'm on Nathan's I'm so side not. here. Like, <laughs> I'm like, it like, is we're... possible. This is a fact. But uh, if I was but, to yeah, throw think... the roll the dice and make a wager, I would not be in. Uh, no, it wouldn't be in their favor. <laughs> it would not be no. in their favor. Um, so that's, that's a very, it, it, yeah I, yeah. I might have to, if I can rob the floor for a minute. I'm not, I'm not doing an MMORPG right now. And I'm really glad that I'm not. Right. Um, because I spent seven years helming one. And I feel like even though the way things ended, you know, wasn't great, there's still a lot of issues that have to be sorted out legally. But I can say that at the very least, I learned a lot, raised a lot of money, um, was able to go from being just a redneck nobody who never finished high school to actually, you know, helming something that got big names involved and everything else. And and that is a point of pride for me. And I can also yeah. look back and say it was so fucking difficult 
and the way that I chose to do it with our team was such that, and, and I've been, I think I've, I've talked about it with you guys behind the scenes. I don't know how much I've publicly talked about this before, and I have to be very careful about how I say yeah. things sometimes. But I can say this, the way that I managed things was very much, everyone's working for equity. We get our paychecks when the project is released. And then once numbers, once we signed, you know, once Bob Brown came on board and I signed that contract, numbers became a big deal to certain people on the team. And that became more important than getting a product out the door. It became more about, well, let's get paid. We've been working for free for seven years. Um, so I can only imagine what Fractured's development team, if being in that position where people need to eat. Because here's the thing. When I was helming things, that was pre-pandemic. So we're dealing with two years now of people being desperate for any type of paying work and anything that can help put food on the table. And trying to build an MMORPG is not an easy thing nah, in the best of times. And if you're at a point where it's and, – and I'm I'm speaking not from a development perspective. I'm speaking now from the perspective of I have a wife. I have a kid. I have a husband. I have family commitment. I have people who I need to feed. I've got a roof i got to keep over my head. I need to keep health insurance. We've got COVID tests. We've got – like the number one most important thing for anybody in any position, in any job, in any genre is – to provide for themselves and their family. So if you're in a position where it's either the project goes completely done and, and we have to throw away the last six years of our lives for nothing and we're all broke and there's no job prospects on the horizon, or take the deal that's not what we want to take, but it helps us launch the product. It keeps us eating for the next eight months, 12 months, 15 months, whatever take the fucking deal like who cares it doesn't matter what the public thinks at that point we can sit here and we can say game ago might be the shittiest company on the planet but if they're giving them enough money to eat for the next you know 12 months yeah do what you got to do to be know? fair and, i wouldn't say they're the shittiest i just would say that they're a one of the shittier worse? one oh that's hard even worse oh that would take me too long to try to come oh up well way. hang on though yikes i mean i mean yeah, you're, that's right. That's correct. Uh, <laughs> so but I do. meant when I said that, I meant for a developer to take a deal from. That's what I meant. I think they're the shittiest for a developer to take a deal from. I would uh, look maybe at not mono, maybe not money. Excel is pretty bad. Yeah. Oh lord. I don't yeah, think they're worse than Game Ago, but it's up there with. You well, know. well, let let me put it this way. Hang on one second. Um. All right. Here we go. Ready for this? Here's Game Ago's product line. You ready? Fiesta, Grand Fantasia. Yeah. Never heard Atlas of. Rogues, never heard of. Last Chaos, um, huh? Shia. Java uh, games? like War Game, Echo of Soul, um, Wolf Team, Good Game Empire, Good Game Big Farm. Uh, and huh? here we go. Here's the one you do know about that we all know what happened when Game Go took over. Rift. <laughs> oh. Went from bad to Dark Age Unchained. <laughs> <laughs> they don't now. have a good track record yeah so. yeah they don't have that one anymore though um and if you remember how everybody's like oh my god arcade finally freed it's actually was unchained which you know like yeah which by the way it, it i got it this wasn't really on the agenda but it's like right up there next to the final fantasy 14 i want to chat about that a little bit too uh but but 
Arcage and Chain, man. I I don't know, man. So far, it doesn't look so bad for the launch of the game. I'm still obviously mm. kicking back and waiting to see how it all plays out. But so far, Cacao Games looks like I can't. I can't. I, I base it on facts and evidence and history and what's going on, right? But so far, so good. Had a lot yeah. of mixed feedback. A lot of white knights and haters of me talking about it and having my perspective of feeling like what we talked about before and and everything is somewhere in between i might have something coming out about that in the near future which i'm sure i'll get a lot of dislikes i'll never actually see but um <laughs> you know what i mean but yeah i mean but the, at the same time like i look i genuinely mean it when i say this i'm very very uh hesitant uh, in thinking that something good will come from what Kakao's doing. However, I would love to see them redeem Arcage, and I would love to see Arcage 2 be a game that can go the distance in the future. And I genuinely mean that, okay? Yeah. Even with the things I post, even with the videos, even with my like hesitancy and my like hesitation about just anything around that game. But if they could deliver and redeem Arcage and uh, do right by the community and have a nice subscription model that works and no pay to win and and a solid healthy shop and all that stuff but and you can launch arc arcage 2 and unreal 5 and it rocks then uh great hell yeah. yeah i would love for that to happen but i i've been burned around dark age too many times to believe that that's the most likely outcome that i need to kick back and just Give it a minute and see what happens. And I'm okay waiting on that. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But Camigo did not help with the the history and the future of Arcage. I mean, you could go like, yeah, but it's a different publisher, blah, 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 blah. Fair point. The oh, game still has, right yeah, the game itself still has a historical bad track record. Need to see the track record break and go a different positive direction first for me to really go, sure, let me roll the dice again. I did transfer my account over in the in the event that it goes well would i jump in and give it a chance maybe possibly no promises because it is an investment of my time and i have to feel like my time and my money are both respected for anything to have a chance that's just I think me there's just you know from it comes it always comes back to when i look at the partnership that just happened mm -hmm. in some cases you're if you're in between a rock and a hard place it's either do i want 30 percent of something or 100 percent of nothing and, yeah, good point. And it's some and sometimes in life you're in a position where that thirty percent is the difference between putting a roof over your head or not. And and I being having been in a position where, you know, seeing a project kind of go up in smoke after seven years have been put into it, um, uh, uh, um, having seen that and and been you know upfront and personal with that, um, it's um. It's one of those things where I, I wouldn't wish that on anybody, you know. So if if that's the deal they had to take and they can make it to the finish line, even if it doesn't necessarily make it much beyond the finish line, at least you can say that you made it to the finish line and you were able to fulfill that one of the goals, you know, of your dream thing, you know, making a game and getting it launched. And if it doesn't make it, well, hey, you know, Crowfall didn't make it, and that's on the veterans. damn list. Oh my I, god, I, dude! It, it, 
that's a good transition point probably oh my they god didn't. yeah um no um sorry i'm, I'm typing here yeah <laughs> so so i've done a video over it doing a second one it I've been debating not, doing a video on it. Though. It is not. Uh, Are we talking Crowfall, dude? It, oh, Crowfall! Kickstarter yeah. game launched right. Look, in fairness, I said this on the video I posted this week. Yes, there's one up. There's another one coming. That might be it for now. But I, I think when here, here's what's going on with that game. Right, it launched. Did it deliver a product? Yes. Did it adhere to the vision? Questionable. Was it a successful Kickstarter with 1.3 ish, almost 1.4 million dollars? Yes. Right. When we compare it to something like Chronicles of Illyria, gotta give him credit. At least he didn't full out scam people, okay? Because right. I believe Chronicles of Illyria has. I don't believe Crowfall is doing that. No. Do I think that they've succeeded? That's no, I don't think they have. I think you launched your game officially, like what was it, the summer? Here we are already. Yes, and you're putting your creative director on this Project Atlas game that's in development now and moving people who delivered and presented a vision and the people there for the vision and the creative director's not there anymore and you're putting them over on this product now i just think that your game is to provide revenue for this other project it it sucks dude it looks bad so, it's like you're tapping this is out also this goes back to they raised a, you know 30 plus million dollars over the course of this whole thing yeah. with investors and everything else around the engine that they made and now they're trying to find other ways because at the end of the day remember only raised 1.3 whatever billion dollars from crowdfunding but they raised 30 plus million dollars from investors so they've yeah. got investors to yeah, um to be beholden to and that is this is where this is the tricky thing this is why i was very lucky in the way that i did my investment deals in the prior arrangement because i did everything like a like a movie deal so they got percentage of profits but zero creative control and zero input on how the company was being run and no equity so it was just a straight up movie deal it's a it's a, a profit sharing venture at that point you're getting a cut of the net profits you trusted us to run the vision whereas with crowfall from the way i understand things they went series you know they went with the traditional s corp and went you know right. seed series a series b Got series it. c those investors have equity in the company. There's a board of directors. People can get voted in and out. They very much have to do what the investors want. And the investors are saying, Crowfall isn't making money. You promised us money. You need to make us a game that's going to get money. Get fucking on it. Um, and this is where um, um, a lot of people also look at Shred the Avatar and say it launched. And I'm like... But it wasn't successful. Like yeah. I, I, we knew because one of our programmers was working there, you know, and 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 they went from launching the game and having thirty, I think it was thirty six or thirty eight people on staff, and within like two months after launch, cut half the fucking team, and six months later, cut another, and they were down to like six people within like six or eight months after launch. And yes, every company sheds weight after a launch product unless sure. you're spinning up another project or you're working on the next expansion or whatever because the the build team is always bigger than the maintenance team that runs it but to to, to cut 75 percent of your staff that's not a post-launch shit that is a your product is failing and you're mm. you're doing anything you can to keep the bleeding from from you know just rupturing your company and and causing you to go, to go bankrupt um so I look at the Crowfall situation and I see them repeating the same thing of, of Shroud of the Avatar where it's like, yeah, you launched, but 
It wasn't what Man. A, you promised people, and B, the market just didn't react to it the way you thought it was going to. Yeah. That's, sometimes you can't predict those things. It's like yeah. it's like movies. You know, sometimes there's been movies that I loved that a good example of this is the John Carter of Mars movie. That movie had all the hallmarks of a franchise. And, and that's why Disney I enjoyed and Pixar it. put so much money into it. That was like a that was a three hundred million dollar thing and it went bust. Like they made they lost so much money on that movie. It was bad. And why? Why? Wasn't because of the movie being bad. No. Wrong place, wrong time. Just it didn't resonate. Bad set of circumstances. Yeah. Cause yeah, I love that movie, dude. I watched the shit out so of it still. Good. So it is well done by the way to if anybody ever comes across this, this episode and you had any part in making that movie i just want to say love it it's amazing don't care what happened i'll always watch it i'll probably watch it who knows how many times for the day i die it's been it's, 10 plus already easily oh you've seen it that many times yes wow. i love it, it was I, great. Love the movie. I love the book yep. so i was really happy to see a movie come out um it's it's so good. I'm I'm so I'm so so happy that I've met somebody else that is like appreciates that movie because yeah. it is an amazing I'm, piece of cinematic history. I enjoyed it. But that's a perfect example of something that just bombed. And and I know this is on your list. Ridley Scott's movie. Oh is my in god, here. homie! I think this is another one that's a it's a prime example oh, it of is. wrong time, wrong place because oh, it's an amazing cast. Go. Yeah, it's an amazing cast, and I yeah. pretty much like everything Ridley Scott does. I love all of his stuff. Like, if you've never seen a good year with Ridley Scott, where he inherits the vineyard in France with Marion, yeah. Marion, what's her name, um, the French actress, I've seen that movie like seven or eight times. It's so good. Like, yeah. Ridley Scott can do, yeah, he can do horror, he could do epic history, he can do the Robin Hood film, the mm. Kingdom of Heaven. Oh my God! Like, great, great movie. I liked. As much as I like Gladiator, I thought Kingdom of Heaven was a way better movie than Gladiator. Like, just it's I like agree. the Crusades. I like, love that it's one. So good. Another ten um, plus times movie for me, by the way. Yeah, and 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 to see this new movie come out and just epically flop, and then he he blames it on millennials and oh, cell phones. I was like, dude, that was not. <laughs> this is another good example of like sometimes you just need to think it. Maybe just think it. Maybe kick back a little. I love your movies, Ridley Scott, but like, homie, that that that's not the reason. Okay, don't. He's also like eighty five years old, so he might be a little <laughs> out of touch with with. Modern... Yeah, see, now I'm gonna say that that is because of targeted oh, social media reading what they think you want to oh, read, shit. and so he's viewing the world this certain way the because lens? that's that's what's a lens. Yes, yeah. and they're. They're feeding him that, so he feels that way. Mm -hmm. And from his perspective, at his age, probably <laughs> feels like the whole world agrees with him. Besides the people that he was talking about, right? Because I've heard that I've heard good things about that movie, um, like, bro. No, even really. though it didn't get a lot of views and everything else. We also have to think that it's a pandemic film. When I'm, I'm going to be honest here, like I'm double vaxxed. I have my flu shot. I won't go to a movie theater right now. And, and I debated, I, I was, I really debated going and seeing Dune on the IMAX because that movie is fucking amazing. And Ooh, I would love was to so see good. it on the IMAX, oh. but I'm still, there's a part of me that's just, I'm not paranoid. Like I don't wear my mask when I go out. Like I was, Chris and I went out today. I didn't wear my mask out on the street. I wear it when I go into Walmart when I have to go into a building and I'm required to, but otherwise I don't, I don't First, wear my mask. I wear a mask. What's Even that? 
COVID, we should have wore a mask going into that place. Well, anyway. it's, yeah, yes. So here's the funny thing. Um, I've been since I moved to the city. Um, there's a bad smog problem here in Mexico City, so oh, I damn. wear a mask every winter. I've got a cloth mask that I've had for like six years, and and I use it when I go places because I've always had sinus issues, oh, yeah, and so no, I've always used it around nice. the winter time for my sinus issues. So it was never a big deal for me. But the the point I was wanting to make was that I don't live in fear. Because I'm as protected as I possibly can be, and I don't have a booster yet because I won't offer them here until probably around March. But I'm still – there's a part of me that's like I don't want to go to a movie theater because I feel like it's an unnecessary risk when I have a 50-inch flat screen 4K TV in my fucking home, and I can just get it from Amazon or HBO or Netflix or Hulu or wherever, and I can watch it from the comfort of my home. And I don't have to go anywhere, and I can take a pee break when I want. Somebody's kid isn't fucking crying during the film, and I don't have a bunch of teenagers giggling to themselves and ruining my, you know, $30 experience, you know. So as much as I love the movie theaters before, the pandemic has changed things for me to where I'm like, I don't know that I'll ever necessarily go back to the theater. Well, well, we're info, I have to say, though, you should have went to the theater and seen – Ridley Scott's newest movie because it would have been the most empty place. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right. Come on, dude. This is some salt in the wound, man. <laughs> Yo. The theater, just we could go right dude. in the middle. Oh. Whole space. Oh. Look, baby, look what I did for you. I ran the whole theater out for us. Aren't I a romantic guy? <laughs> dude, well, we got We're going to end on some something similar to this talk conversation. I want to make sure I hit on a couple of these. I think we'll save one for later. Uh, because of time and everything, but the I, I have not. Ah, Endwalker is getting some good reviews. I know that the servers. I know it's been a nightmare. Oh uh, yeah, but Stay. dude, they gave everybody like a what a week of free sub time. I'm like, dude, they just do so good by the community, yeah, man. What fucking company has the Gosh. balls to shut off their fucking store when their servers can't handle the load? And rather than keep raking in the dough, Respect. they're like, we're gonna do right by you respect and we're dude. gonna make this experience as we're gonna fix the problems before we sell any more copies like what company does tempting that me to yeah, come bro. and get the damn i got i'm feeling like i need to get to the damn games ending it's just so hard you do. but i'm so, you do. It's so good. close dude to doing it so good i might like, listen but listen i have <sighs> to say too i have to say i have to always say stuff like this i can't help myself it's easier for Square Enix to be the good guy when they're raking in freaking billions of dollars a month, yes. right? Like, it's pretty Fair. easy. But, like, now, it goes both ways. They could still be money hungry and be like, no, 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 no. We're making a crap load of money. Don't turn that store off. Plenty but at do. the same time, they, they also are super aware yes. that this is what – this kind of behavior – and it's good. It's a good thing. Oh. But they're super aware that this kind of behavior that they're doing is getting, like, international attention. So – Doing the things they've been doing will probably continue because this is like making them so much money, making decisions that seem like they're bad for themselves, which yeah. they are in many ways. They are. But like people it's working, are right. Like yeah. this is good PR. So we talked about bad PR the whole I, show. Yeah. This is the good guy. Yes. This is how you do it. And and I and I and I don't care. I've seen some of. I've also right equally seen people's feedback to like what they've been saying about like the error 2002 code and all this other junk or whatever i'm sorry man i know i'm not having to sit through crazy cues and everything and i definitely feel for people that have had to do that and everything at the same time i just can't 
say anything negative based on what I see with how they're handling it. I know people are mad. I know people are upset. I know people don't like the cues. I know that there have been people on social media that are like, have been, you know, been not really too happy about it and kind of like not been nice to them about it. And yeah, I understand sure. the frustration, but I, I just can't, I just can't really, I got nothing but respect for how they're handling it. It's really professional. It's good PR. And you know, the reviews are in and there are a lot of positive reviews for the content yeah, of the game right it's, now. And it's, it's being held by a lot of yeah. respectable people as the greatest expansion of all time. Mm -hmm. I can't comment cause I'm not even trying. Not there, I, I yeah. check every once in a while to see if I can get in. I can't. And I'm just like, Oh, wait well, for I'll it. Wait. Maybe. Yeah. I'm yeah. kind of waiting for it too, but I, I am very contemplative about, I got to the end of Stormblood. I know Shadowbringers was good. I'm going, I know it'll be a Real lot to do, good. but I feel like I really want to know the rest of the story. And I, I think it's inevitable that I'm going to do it. I, I do. I think it's inevitable. There are scenes from Shadowbringers that I will never forget to the day I die. Like, really? So, yeah, there's so, oh, there's some scenes it, where they, it's like, without giving away any spoilers, oh. they, they set you up right in the story for you to have this certain mentality. And then you uncover a truth, and it's so ridiculous and absurd and like horrific sometimes that you're like, "Oh my god, I wish I could have lived my life without knowing that." That's really? insanity. It's good, man. Shadowbringers was storytelling one hundred and one, freaking perfect. So if Endwalker oh. people are saying it's way better, I can. I can't imagine. I have no idea how, how it could be better than the way they set up Shadowbringers. Man, I feel like I'm working on a bit of a timetable right now. Like it's, I'm getting a few things wrapped up and knocked out before the end of the year. And if I yeah. can get those things knocked out, I feel like I need to carve out a day or two where I just maybe just spend a few, even if I can just squeeze a few hours to just do some of the story and stuff and just do sure. my own thing. I feel like I, as a as a person who loves a good story and as someone who's invested in that game a lot of time already, I feel like I owe it to myself in the game, maybe, to like see this whole story through at least to find out where it ends and how it goes. So I think I'm gonna I'm gonna have to do it. I, I it's one of those games, man. I've always had a lot of respect for it. it. Yeah, there's been things I've had issues with and stuff, but I feel like I need to give it a shot. Um speaking of games, man. I don't know. Have you all? I follow the the lore and where it's been going in the game for World of Warcraft. I do. I don't play it on principle. I'm tapped out. They don't listen to. They just don't listen to us, and that's part of why. And I don't agree with it. We've talked about it over and over and over. Well, they community council now, so everything <laughs> should be fine. <laughs> Speaking um, of community council, Bellular Gaming, I do watch his stuff. I do keep up with the lore that way. The cinematic, the Shattered Legacy cinematic. Have you all seen it for Lady Sylvanas? Nope. Weird to I put it out. I know nothing about World of Warcraft, really. This is for all of my homies who do out there. Maybe y'all can respond to this and give me your feedback, whether it's in chat, over on YouTube, comment, in Discord, wherever. I watched this, and I don't know. I really am curious what the community thinks about the direction here. I feel... I feel like it was, I don't, I'm, I'm torn. Like a part of me is like, this feels okay and right by me. 
that they're doing this with Sylvanas way more than it does to if you try to redeem Arthas and stuff. Oh, yeah. I remember you talked. You ranted about this the last time we were on the show because I remember you were talking, talking about, about Arthas. Thing. If you're gonna go evil, just fucking go evil. Like, is that the? Well, it didn't make that... sense for Sylvanas to be doing a lot of the stuff that she did. It seemed progressively like I was like, I don't really get why this is happening with her. So for me, if they go and redeem her, which is what I don't know if they are or not, right? It, it is somewhat predictable to me, but it makes sense with Arthas. If you were like, let's turn him into a good guy now, I'd be like, he seemed to like it too much. Sylvanas just seemed to be out of her damn head somehow. He seemed at least that's the what I picked up on. I'm just curious what people think. Do you enjoy the, the World of Warcraft stuff? If you, to be fair, the lore kind of went off the rails after Wrath of the Lich King anyway. I get it. I'm just curious what people think. So uh, the comment I made last time, yeah, that I ranted was before this. Um, True. This is. I will admit that this is better than what I we all kind of thought they were going to do. But I don't like it. I, I, I'm torn. I, it doesn't. It doesn't feel good uh, this way either. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to but know it, what you they're going to do I with could, her, though. Too right. I could, like I could see that that's the way things. I can yeah. also look back and be like, okay, I can see that this is how this ends up, right? But at the same time, I don't like it. I wouldn't say I like it, but the, you know, in fairness. Stories should have parts that makes you uncomfortable or that you don't enjoy sure. it or, you know, so I don't know. It's an interesting twist. Um, I'm just, I'm know. so torn. Like a part of me is like, cause I do want to like Sylvanas. I do want her. I, I, I out of characters like, look, and here's the thing that's crazy. Okay. Arthas was a paladin before he became the Lich King. Just saying. Right. Yeah. Okay. You'd think out of any character to redeem that I'd probably be like, yes, because he was a paladin and stuff, but no, actually, no, I don't. I think Arthas, uh, I I just feel that with Arthas, with the, everything that's been framed, that like there's too much of choice and what seemed like own willpower there that I, I don't think like a redemption arc should ever happen. With Sylvanas, I'm torn. Part of me believes it depends on how they go with it. I think with her, if there's like, because with this, with this actual cinematic that they showed, number one, it was weird to do it. Seemed like it was because they wanted to get people in to test it and everything. Although sure. with Lord, you really want to deliver that before the patch. You want kind of want people to get that like in the live version of the game, in my opinion. But it's kind of a big, it's kind of a big deal. It's a yeah. big deal. You're kind of spoiling it for people that might have been playing for it anyway. Put it to the side, whatever. With Sylvanas, like I liked her character all the way up until the end of like wrath of the lich king after that her character didn't really make sense to me it seemed like it you know what i mean with the valkyrie and all this stuff i get it i get it you're gonna swing it into like the shadowlands and the jailer and all that but it still just feels weird just in the way that the anduin thing feels weird this yeah. isn't like a way that ever made sense for their characters to go so the cinematic it showed off this sort of conflicting thing going on i don't know that it's really necessarily a redemption arc that we're gonna get or whatever but i think if you do it needs to come with a ton of sacrifice on the character's part good point 
with a ton of sacrifice, right? From, from, from my perspective, like a desperation to try to make up for all of the atrocities that have happened with art. I think Sylvanas is in a place where it can happen. I don't think Arthas is. No. Another thing I'd like yes. to mention, and I'm not going to mention any names. We can all make up our own in our brain. Um, imagine a villain from history, right? Um, and then imagine how they could have redeemed themselves, right? Think of a despicable villain in real life from history. Mm. Is there anything they could have mm. actually done to redeem themselves? Dude, that brings that's up how I feel point. about Arthas. Like, no. It yeah, just... not. That, yeah. Not to bring politics into it, but this this brings up a, a point about cancel culture right now, because some people have made the comment of, you know, separating art from actions for certain artists who have done some things that were questionable, mm. um, and and whether or not they deserve to be canceled because they said something or did something that might have been morally reprehensible. But if you take some, and I'm going to use, I'm going to use this as an example, and this is just because, because I ideas, feel, yeah. I, I feel like this is a good, good way to look at this. Um, Dave Chappelle making transphobic remarks. Oh boy. Versus Hitler. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm going to leave this one alone. Just going to put that out there now, only for the sake <laughs> of the show and the podcast. I do have my thoughts and feelings about Maybe this i, 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 I didn't out. think about that so I, but offline so. I, I'll, I'll talk about this in personal discussions with I people mean, offline but, but it's fair to say but, uh, that like obviously hitler's the but way worse i right? get where like, you're going with it i'll say that i, I will say I, that I much i get I where you're going with it yeah and i didn't my, my bad i didn't think about the stream it, it's, you know, totally cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally cool it's totally cool it's just such a um, hot, hot topic and like socially yeah. people are getting crucified over this and I just don't even want to put myself in there in that <laughs> place until people calm the fuck down a little bit and we can have more civil discussions. Not to say that anybody here wouldn't. I'm just saying respectfully, I'm going to sit back. I do see where you're coming from on it. I do see where you're Well, the, the point I'm trying to make, I'm going to very quickly spin this back to World of Warcraft so that we're not getting into that territory appreciate that. that what which is though that that certain things i you know certain things could theoretically be redeemable certain things i don't think there are redeemable moments for right. certain individuals i agree i can agree with that yeah um certain people have gone so far to the dark side that that's it man you're done yeah. like you're crispy yes and i think yeah, that's arthas in a nutshell yeah, I don't want to see Jeffrey Dahmer turned around and change his mind and went on to do I, musicals, right? Like, you know, my uh, point. Uh, exactly. It's like <laughs> that's like again, Arthas, dude. You could, you have. If you show me some weird hesitation along the way, like there's something going on, I gotta see something along the way in this journey where you're making these horrible decisions right. that shows Darth a Vader, glimpse. For example, yes, Darth Vader. Yes, exactly. Much better example than mine. That's my. <laughs> he's like, that's a great point, though. Yes, his where there's is a like great redemption arc. It is. Yes, a, yeah, and there I was agree. there was points where you've seen it. You're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I think because, he was hesitating there or whatever. And 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 he only was pushed over the edge because of his love for Padme. Love. Like that. Yeah. Literally, he was manipulated by Palpatine, and that that this is why. Oh, now you're gonna get me on a Star Wars thing. This is why the Jedi Order was so 
strong in the whole you're not allowed to have emotional attachments because yeah. this is what yep. can happen if you allow yourself to get emotionally attached to someone. Your emotions can become too strong and yes. you can't objectively make yes. reasonable conscious decisions because you're acting based on emotion. Palpatine manipulated him. Sorry, Nathan. I'll shut no, up in a second. I was going to say, no, that's it. Palpatine mm. manipulated him with that. I mean, to the point when they show up in Ridge of the Sith and Obi-Wan comes out of the ship because he was hiding in the ship and Anakin sees him and he's like, you, and he looks at Padme and he's like, you betrayed me. And he starts to force choke Padme. And it's like, yep. dude, like this Homie. is the woman you, you went to the dark side to save her life because Palpatine told you, Yo. you could learn the hit, the, the, the Darth Sidious. Was that the, no, was it Darth Sidious? Uh, the, the guy who could, not not Darth Sidious. Yeah, the a, ancient. Um, yeah, the ancient dude who knew how to yeah. keep yourself alive. Like the whole reason you went to the dark side was because you were having these visions of her dying in childbirth, and you wanted to keep her alive. Darth and Plagueis. now she's here. Plagueis, yeah. Bar Plagueis, thank you. Thank you. Um, Darth Sidious was that, that's Palpatine. Sorry, I was yeah blanking on stuff. But that, like the whole that whole arc, because if you look at the arc of that when he comes back, and then you see the original trilogy, and 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 Anakin at the very end redeems himself by killing Palpatine to save his son. Like that is a redemption arc because he, the whole time, everything he did was manipulation to push him into the dark side. And then he just lost himself in rage and emotion. Yeah. And then coming yep. back from that, which is also why as much as I've said that I love star Wars and I will watch all things star Wars. The one of the things I hate about the Disney trilogy was they brought Palpatine back, which made that whole Darth, uh, Darth Vader arc null and void like yeah. it never mattered because suddenly Palpatine's back and it's like yeah. what you just pissed on Darth Vader's legacy sorry man I'm a Star Wars is a dude it, uh, these are good talking points for when you talk about story because like when you talk about like the art this one if we go back and pull that into exactly what you're talking about right you saw these hints and hesitation for for Darth Vader right with Arthas in the very, very, very beginning, like Warcraft very beginning, when before he ever got the helmet, there was it was there, right? Afterwards, like there were too many times where he was just like, mm. with Sylvanas, there were moments where you're like, she seems like she might be hesitating. She might be like cautious, like she's conflicted or whatever. There were moments it wasn't stated or really shared, you know, per se. Like in in regard to like taking the novels out of the equation in World of Warcraft story uh, itself, again taking the novels and putting those to the side, that's a different framework and it does add a lot of context. But when you look at that, I'm going, okay, see, I, you kind of get. I had this gut feeling like maybe there's something else kind of going on here with her. It kind of, but the Anduin thing too. It's like I see that you're taking him down the path of like the Lich King, like Arthas, but it doesn't feel parallel. It feels yeah. pushed. It feels a little over the top. It doesn't make sense. I kind of feel like from my perspective, I almost feel like this is just my perspective here. I kind of, and I'm not, and I'm predominantly a horde guy, right? But I know and understand a lot of like lore kind of feel like you're shitting on the legacy of his ancestors. When you do this mm -hmm. to Anduin, his dad, mm -hmm. it, like Lothar back in the day, like all of these, yeah. you know, like I kind of go like, I kind of feel like you're kind of fucking that up a bit with him even being the one you do this with. I never felt, I, I, probably most people are going to disagree with me on this, but I never felt like they fully fleshed out Anduin 
Uh, as I a agree. I agree. I feel like it was always just like assumed that you would yeah. think he was cool. You know what I mean? Or you would just like them because, um, you know, I never felt like they gave us enough meat to that character anyway. Um, so, I, you know, I think there's some major problems. Uh, yeah. Like and, and, not, and we're not we're not even going into as mentioned chat earlier um all the Ooh, yeah. obvious holes in yeah the plot, you know yeah. that will never get addressed right like with uh even with like uh what's his name uther right now like i think one of the biggest like issues is like well they've been doing a lot with him but there's like a, not a lot of explanation around how his character showed up in other points in time like wrath of the lich king i'm thinking like in that one dungeon uh, that was like before they put out ICC. It was like the uh, it was that dungeon you had to go do where you're like basically he's chasing you. You know, Arthas is like chasing you, and you're like going through the the dungeon, and like he's you know you, walls keep popping up, and you're fighting like all these ghouls and stuff. It was at the beginning where uh, uh, his his sword was there, mm. right? Frostmourne sitting there on this like pedestal or whatever, and then you see like Uther talking and all this stuff going on. You're like, what the hell is going? Like, there's like so many different things that they haven't like gone and like really made sense with and i do agree i think that in a lot of ways they're sort of like putting things together and kind of firing from the hip and so things aren't really like working very well in the grand I have scheme a question of things. because i'm not i'm not huge in warcraft so I'm, I'm actually in the dark about a lot of what you're talking about um as i understand it wasn't medicine like that the the central role yeah, of everything for so many years a lot. and then once he left, was that when the story started to go to shit, or wasn't long after he left that uh, freaking what's his name also left uh, the seat? Damn it, yeah, I'm like forgetting yeah. his name on on uh, Mike Morhaime. Thank you. He, yeah, they went I, on to make the new studio. Yeah, he like I, it, it see it did seem like things started to like really not seem like they made a whole as much sense when he wasn't there either, and I don't know how much of that's because. He really had a me big hand in all of that. Like, I don't know who who all can, is actually responsible for the story. I but. can say from a from a personal standpoint that Chris and Joey both know what I'm. What, we all on board with the weave in the void stuff. Like the yeah. three of us. My brother more than Chris. Um, but my brother's even said that if I were to croak, he was like, I wouldn't be able to continue this because even though I know the story. Mm. I know the lore. I can't connect all the, and I'm, this is not me being egotistical, by the way. Mm. This is me making a point about having someone who has the creative. It's not that everyone can't have a creative vision, but everybody has their skills. You know, everybody has pros and cons. And yeah, um, yeah definitely. When you have someone who's in that position of being like the archetype, uh, Feigl's a good example with the the Marvel. Um, mm you know the phases of marvel and that's why disney brought him on to work with the star wars universe because he's going to take that blueprint and apply it which we're already seeing by the way uh with the high republic stuff we got the first trailer for the high republic game from quantum dreams who did the beyond human and other games Ooh, eclipse um, did you see that star yes, wars eclipse yes, by the way yes, holy shit i forgot that one that's the one i'm talking about so we're already seeing that plan with feigl is starting to come to play to come into play with Star Wars. It, when you have someone who is that central to to sort of you know orchestrating the creative vision of a product, and they just move on for whatever reason, it's never mm. going to be the same. Um, Star Star Wars is a good example of this in the sense that the, the Disney trilogy was very much not 
Lucas worthy in my mind, you know, good parts of it. Um, but, but the, that central person was gone and, and you can find, uh, uh, Dave Filoni is a very good example of this because he's done amazing things with the Mandalorian and clone wars and the bad sure. batch. And he's, he's like, and he was Lucas's protege. That was his Padawan. And he has become like the biggest badass of star Wars these days, but they haven't let him touch a feature film yet. They've got him stuck on, you know, animated features, and at least they're letting him helm all of the Disney Plus stuff, which is, in my mind, way better than anything that the, that Disney put out over the last few years, feature films, unless maybe Rogue One and the Han Solo movies. Those are both very exceptional films. Um, the point I was trying to make, and I'll shut up because I know we need to wind down. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder how much of what's happened with Blizzard since then is because when Metzen left, they kind of lost that anchor point yeah. for creative storylines who was kind of who, who had the big vision and even if he left a layout in a, in a in a notebook somewhere yeah in a spreadsheet it's not the same thing it's just yeah. not yeah absolutely speaking of which things coming up uh i, I watched the i'm gonna hit on these and we can, i guess we can wind it down out of, out of respect for time here um I do want to piggyback next week off of the next great MMORPG. I did a video on this. I saw an article around this. I think they synergize well. I think based on a lot of what we talked about in recent MMORPG news and things like that, we'll definitely be talking about some of that stuff, especially talking a bit more about like story and narrative and the importance of that. I think that could be another great one. I'd love to have that conversation as we wind down the the rest of this year. Um, It's just coming up real soon, everybody. So I don't know exactly what our uh, timeline looks like for episodes, but just watch social media. You'll, you'll know when the next one's coming. Um, definitely plan at least one by the end of the year, but we have to respect everybody's, you know, time here and what people might be doing too. So as we get to the end of the year with the uh, holidays and stuff, but the expanse, the Witcher's coming up this Friday, right? Wheel of time's got two more episodes, by the way, I thought we were only getting six found out There's somewhere. Eight. It's eight. I was so disappointed. I was like, no, don't in there after. And I'm like, so freaking excited right now. I feel like that show really in the first few episodes, kind of like it did feel like it was a little bit of a, Oh, it's gotten better with each episode. Ooh, the last couple boy. Ooh, that last one. I'm like, yo, we got two more left. I am so excited. I was in tears. I'm not going to spoil it, but the episode and lands like beating on his chest. Oh yeah. That was hard. "Ah!" That was hardcore. It was so strong, dude. They found their footing. I got to say, man, I can't speak for Amazon games because I don't feel like I have enough like confidence in what they're doing game wise. I do think that they have a few on the agenda that could be promising. But Lost Ark, that's probably Lost their biggest. Ark. They're going to be doing what? They're going to be carrying the Lotro game, I think, in the future too. They're kind of behind the scenes on that. Remember, yeah, something Are they? going on with Daybreak? Yep. Something, yeah, yeah, something, yeah, some somewhere in there, I think. Um, and then I, I need to look at the details, but I remember pulling this up somewhere, and then. But movie and show wise, the expanse they have freaking rocked it. That boys. I watched it. Yeah, the boys. I watched a new expanse episode. I'm stoked about the next ones for that. Um, I'm trying to hold off because I really want to just binge oh, watch it. It's I, so tough. I, the only reason I have done the weeklies with Wheel of Time is because the first it's jump. everywhere on social media <laughs> and I have to work at social media every day. So I can't avoid spoilers. The expanse isn't oh, spoiled as much as uh wheel of time is so i'm able to actually avoid spoilers for the expanse but i love that show that's actually i've never read the books it's on my agenda for january to get the book series 
Oh, Wheel of Time, man. Two more episodes at the end of tonight. I get to watch another one. I'm so freaking stoked. I, I've been anticipating these last episodes now so much. Um, it, I have stuff good. I want to say, but I can't say because you've never read the book. So I, have I to know, right? Shit. It's it's um, uh it's very satisfying. I'm very excited about the fa- the future of this series. I absolutely am. The Witcher this Friday we get. Oh my god! Oh, Chris and I have so already stoked. blocked out. Or we've already blocked out the whole weekend. Freaking we're supposed to, we're supposed to play EverQuest two together on Saturday morning, and I've I've still committed to that with her. But other than that, Saturday is set aside for binge watching the entire season of Witcher two. So next episode, we're definitely gonna be doing some Witcher follow up. So gentlemen, I really do hope that you watch it by then, because I don't know that I'm able to keep my shit together and not talk about <laughs> it. Just gonna put it out there. Definitely have watched oh, it by then. Even if we dear. don't watch it all, if even if we don't watch it all on Saturday, it'll be Saturday and Sunday. We'll be done. Yeah. So yeah. stoked. We we got enough time to watch it. Yeah. Oh, good, good, good. Because I'm like, yo, guys. <laughs> oh my god. We got some story stuff to talk about. We'll definitely be chatting about. Yes, yeah, season two is coming up this weekend. I mean, it's a good time to have story. You know, I feel like some games are kind of taking it a little chill next year. We have some games that are going to be coming out that are going to probably be potential big, big ones with the Elden Ring being like February. We got shows. We got, I mean, next year we've actually got the Lord of the Rings or the Tolkien universe show. Next winter. Yeah. Yeah, September is the timetable. We'll see if it's. That was November. Yeah. Well, it could be. Uh, Yeah. I think originally they said September. Maybe they changed it, but who knows? You got this much time until then. It could get pushed back into the winter even further. Um, got the follow-up to dune being filmed yeah there's a lot of good things on the agenda and uh i'm gonna be starting my own my first book oh next year too which is gonna be there's crazy to do there's also gonna be a lot of big updates for chronicles of valeria next year it's gonna be massive so i'm sure that there will be i've been enjoying interacting with those, those community members man i do have a lot of like i have a lot of love for those people and what they're what they're having to go through because it's uh I do, I do genuinely like, it's a good, it's a good game to talk about. It's, it's good content, especially talking about like what not to do and cautionary tales and all that. But it is tough when you see people who like really be- like love the idea of what it could be. Yeah. Cause it was a good idea. It was a great no idea. Doubt. It was a good idea. Yeah, it was, it was a great idea. It sucks. Cause I can imagine like, what if, uh, the game that held the great idea that I liked. Yeah, of course, you know, Dream World, man, you know, I mean, sorry, they mentioned in chat, you said the game, I like, I was like, no. <laughs> I mean, it's scary, like, what if Ash of the Creation, if this, what, in a what if scenario where this was the circumstances, that would be horrible. Oh, yeah, yeah, Shit. yeah, I agree, I agree. Damn, luckily, that ain't the case with Intrepid, but, <laughs> you know, in a, in a weird world where that, you know, the person behind it was someone who was capable of that. Instead, that would be sucky, man. Really hey, sucky. in a multiverse out there somewhere, Casper was in charge of Ashes. So oh, somebody, yeah. there are people that oh, that's their so reality, gross, dude. Why their would you? reality is that. Just so you know. I feel like I need a shower and I've still got stuff to do tonight. <laughs> what are you, bro? I said Casper. I always call him that. I'm sorry, Casper. Oh. I always call him Casper. Ew. Yeah. He is, he is the friendly ghost that vanished for a while there. <laughs> <laughs> also very, uh, that totally resonates. But gentlemen, it's been a great one. It's good to catch up. I know we went a little longer than usual on this one. Usually happens when we've got a bit of a bit of a you know gap in between our shows but i feel like we've done a pretty good job of putting it all together in a 
a decent amount of time. Gentlemen, you want to shout out your domains where people can find you when you're not on this podcast? Sorry. Everything that we're doing for the Weave in the Void can be found over at uh, patreon.com forward slash wandering hermits. Don't forget, of course, these two gentlemen join myself and my wife and my brother and Bounty Code and Sparrow every Sunday night on the Weave and Void Twitch channel. We'll be back uh, 9 p.m. Sunday for episode 4 of The Lost Mind of Fandover, so hopefully we'll be tuning in for that. And my personal YouTube, which is heavily influenced by EverQuest 2 right now. If you want to join us, feel free. We're on the Antonio Bale server. Guild's going strong. 65 yep. people so far. Uh, that's youtube.com forward slash Renfell. Yes, Nathan. Yep, you can find me on YouTube, uh, the Nathan Napalm. And... Um, uh, took a little break. I was sick and couldn't talk. Obviously, I can now. Voice is just a little weird, but um, back to making content. So I got a lot of a lot of new stuff, including don't miss my Christmas special coming out oh, this weekend. Oh, you got a Christmas special this weekend? Oh, oh yeah, puppets and all. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm gonna have to definitely check that out. You've been doing a lot of really good uh, chunks for the for the show uh, for the D and D campaign that we've been a part of, and I've got some shorts coming up in the near future too that are good ones that. Especially, specifically to outline the kind of bullshit that paladins have to put up with in a in the world <laughs> where where Renfell's the DM. Um, but always, you know, join our Discord.gg forward slash Samorg uh, to catch up with all the stuff and things here, where the show is at, where it's hosted, it's live. And uh, I will also, if you're kind of part of this community, uh, be posting every Sunday. I always post a, a message to those that are around um, after the Ashes Pathfinder podcast when we we actually do the. Uh, the D&D campaign. Uh, I do post the link, so definitely go check it out. Look for it in Discord. It's there in the announcements as well. If you go up, you'll see all the stuff for the Weave in the Void. And you all, we will be catching up with you again real soon. Not 100% sure about next week, but I'll be checking with the guys and looking over our stuff and things and kind of letting you all know what to plan for the uh, next several episodes or episode or two that might be left in the year uh, before we get to 2022. So friends, as always, gotta say, might be to the end of the show today, but... Always looking for more to join the party. Rants of plenty. And until next time, you live your best lives. Walk in the light. And have a great night. We'll see you again real soon, friends.